0: Jim, how are you, John? I'm pretty good. <laughs> we just had a long pre-show talk about. <laughs> 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 I'm not that great, but yeah. In the context of the show, let's just say let's just summarize it all. Is it's good? Yes, it's. Um,
1: good. I, I have to take you to task for something. All right, please do. Has anybody ever done that first thing like right off the bat? Uh, I don't know. Uh, well, they should. Okay, well, I'm going to. The correct answer is sean connery always always sean connery i would have thought i would have thought that you might be a roger moore man oh sean connery oh. well i i
0: mean i i i would if you ask me who my favorite bond is i would still say sean connery and and his bond movies all together are my favorite favorites and from russia with love in particular would be my answer to my favorite bond movie um but I, I I I have a soft spot for uh, Roger Moore, and I like Daniel Craig as well. And I I uh, I like Pierce Brosnan in a role. I just feel like the producers let those movies sort of get away, and and they made they made bad movies with a good actor for Bond.
1: Yeah, I agree with that. But any time, you know what I think it is to be honest. My father didn't like Roger Moore. Yeah, my dad did not either. And and I think that's probably the reason. You know, you grow up with that, and I, I think that was probably it. But as an adult, I just love everything Sean Connery does. And I could sit and listen to him talk, you know, just forever. Yeah. So, Well, as a kid who was born in the early 70s, for me, it
0: was very, very... I think even now, in hindsight, right now in 2017, you can look back and you can see that the Connery Bond movies look like the 60s and the Moore ones look like the 70s. Um, it, but to me as a kid in the late 70s, when I first started watching them, it it was the difference between these look fresh, like these look like new movies, and the Connery ones look old. Yeah. And old as a kid is just never a good thing. Yeah. And I liked, you know, I, I think they were actually were in some ways. I think part of it too is that the Roger Moore movies were a little bit more meant for kids. You know, that the, I think so. I think that the emphasis on stunts and, and some of the silliness, you know, the, you know there were more gags it wasn't just you know like, i think the only real funny things in the connery ones were when connery would just say something funny <laughs> which was great uh, we'll just let sean talk but like in in the roger moore one so for example and, and if you look at, at uh i know that back in the day when when dan benjamin and i did the thing on the show where we ran through each at the end of every episode for 23 episodes in a row we'd review one of the bond movies in order. And when you watch them in order, you pick things up that you don't see otherwise. Like during the Moore era, there was a running gag between the movies where there was the same guy. I forget who he was. He was like a producer or something like that. But one of the producers of the movie would make a cameo in a, in a scene and something crazy would happen where like bond would shoot down the ski slopes and, burst right through a building, through the wall, and then there's the guy with a glass of wine. <laughs> you know what I mean? And he just looks—he just looks at his glass of wine, like, "Am I drunk or did that just happen?" And it—and the best one is—I think it actually is pretty funny. It's—it's it's in *The Spy Who Loves Me*, and and Bond is driving the Lotus submarine car, and comes out of the ocean on a beach full of you know uh, sunbathers. And he drives right out of the ocean, and there's the guy with a glass of wine on the beach, and he just looks at the glass of wine like, Jesus Christ! Am, I mean, am I fucked up, or did I just see a car drive out of the out of the ocean? Oh, I love man. that. That's great. Yeah, and, and, and you know, and that's the sort of thing that just it would have been it would have never worked in the Connery movies, you know. And it, I think it's you know it's obviously a little childish to have a, a submarine car that drives out of the ocean onto a beach. Well, <clears throat> I'm I, with you. Connery was the best, but more, I, I, I think you got to give him credit. And I really do think you have to give him credit because what he did was he in no way shaped, he was, he was totally comfortable with not being as good as Connery. Like, you know what I mean? Like he, he, he didn't try to be Sean Connery. He didn't try to outdo Sean Connery. He just was himself. And he was very, very comfortable as Roger Moore's James Bond.
1: That's a good point. That, that is a good point. You you wouldn't want somebody coming in trying to be uh, the guy before him, you know. He he did make it his own,
0: and I think that that's what turned it into this franchise that can span forty, fifty years and is ongoing. Is it more made it possible for them to do three or four or five pictures with an actor in the role, and then not really reboot it, but sort of semi reboot it, you know, and the more one in particular, they didn't recast any of the other roles. The same guy played M, the same guy played Q, the same woman played many money penny, but he was not the same guy. He was James Bond, but he was not the same James Bond. And he somehow made it work. And uh, it, it, it turned it into a different kind of franchise. Well, he was the longest running one, right? Yeah, definitely. Yeah. yeah. Uh, He made six movies and it, spans nineteen seventy two I think was when it was either seventy two or seventy three when uh L- live and let die came out that was his first one, and then uh he did man with the golden Gun, which was his worst one, and one of the worst bond movies ever made. i mean he ends up fighting a midget at the end. <laughs>
1: He does. <laughs> he ends up fighting Harvey Village. Has. Okay, we can just end, end the podcast right now. R- what a note to end it on right there. Uh, then
0: <laughs> then came his best movie, The Spy Who Loved Me. Yeah. Then came Moonraker, which I I think when Dan and I reviewed them, I sort of poo-pooed because of all the silly space stuff at the end. But I, I've since come around, and especially the up until the space stuff, it's a really solid Roger Moore Bond movie. Um, then came... This is all off the top of my head. This is how good I have these memorized. Uh, uh, For Your Eyes Only, which is not good. Um, And then came Octopussy, which is a great title. And then his last one was uh, A View to a Kill, which he was pretty old for. Because one of the things people don't realize is Roger Moore is actually older, was older. Alas, we have to talk about him in the past tense, was older than Sean Connery. So they replaced Sean Connery with an actor who was already a couple of like, I don't know, like nine months older than Sean Connery. So they didn't recast it younger when they replaced him with Moore. Um, And, you know, I remember as a kid, when, when a view to a kill came out, I was like 12 or 13 or something like that. And and all of the reviews mentioned how old Roger Moore was. It was just, it's, it's just what they reviewed. But if you watch it, it kind of holds up. And I don't think that they were pretending that he was a young man. You know, it's like, well, Bond is 50, 55 years old and he's still on, on the service. So what?
1: Yeah. They never did make much of a, of a big case about that. I mean, Bond, Bond was just cool. You know? Yeah. He can do all this, this crazy stuff. And it, because he's Bond, it doesn't matter how old he is. He's good looking. He's Bond. He gets lots of women. That's, that's the character. <laughs> <laughs> and he likes to drive fast cars. And he likes to drive fast cars with all kinds of toys. Oil slicks and machine guns and submarines. Yep. Uh. Uh, that, that almost sounds like you. That, that's your life right there. Martinis. Martinis, Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yes.
0: But now it really does seem before we get off it, it really does seem too I wrote I, I linked a whole you know, everybody knows I love Bond. Um, so why not when when Roger Moore dies, yep. spend a week with lots of links. Uh he just seems like he was a genuinely great guy. Uh he he really did devote the last few decades of his life to UNICEF, which is a great cause. Uh he really did seem to care. And, and you know, like that, there was this story that some guy passed around, and it seems legit because he's got the, the autograph about uh, when he was a seven. Did you see that the story I posted where he was a seven-year-old and he met R- Roger Moore in an airport in 1983? I didn't see that one. Okay, so for those who missed it, this is a great story. Um, all right, I will put it in the show notes. <laughs> um, I swear, swear to God. Uh, so this kid... Um, is seven years old, nineteen eighty three. He's in an airport in in Nice. I don't know how you pronounce it. Nice, Nice, Nice. nice. Um, and he's with his grandfather, and he's and he said, "This is like before there were like uh, uh, first class lounges." And he's just sitting there, right at the airport terminal, is Roger Moore reading a newspaper, and he says, "Oh my God, Granddad, that's that's James Bond." And his grandfather has no idea who James Bond is, no idea who Roger Moore is, but he knows his kid is very excited and this man is, is very famous. And he says, would you like me to, to introduce you to him? And he goes, yeah, yeah, yeah. So the grandfather walks up and he goes, excuse me, sir, my son says you're very famous. Uh, I, I, we don't mean to bother you, but would you would you mind signing the back of his plane ticket? And Roger Moore, he says, "It's very gracious and said, oh, it would be my pleasure. And he folds down the newspaper and takes a pen and he asks him his name and writes a little, you know, thing, Timothy, good luck, you know, best wishes, Roger Moore. And the kid walks away and the kid said, I, you know, I didn't really read cursive at the time, but I, I could kind of read it. And I could tell that he, it, whatever he signed his name, it didn't say James Bond. And I said, <laughs> And he says, Grand- Granddad, what does this say? And he says, Best wishes, Timmy, to to, you know, Roger Moore. And he goes, That's not his name. His name's James Bond. And now the kid thinks that, now the, the kid's granddad thinks that maybe Roger Moore is an asshole and like pranked the kid. And he went up to him and said, Hey, my kid says that's not the right name, that your name is James Bond. Oh And, my he said, God. and the kid says, Roger Moore just looked at him and he had him, you know, and he, and he gave him that Roger Moore raised eyebrow and had him come close and he whispered to the kid my name is James Bond, but when I'm traveling, I must use a fake name. Because (laughs) Blofeld has agents in the area.
1: Oh my
0: God. And he says, now you know, and I know, but you must keep this between us. And the kid just walked off and said, all of a sudden, instead of having the wrong autograph on a ticket, I was on a mission with James Bond. Wow. And then the, the kid grew up and worked in like the film industry and was on the set. It was doing a TV commercial for UNICEF where Roger Moore was going to be there. Now the kid's like 30 years old. It's 20 years later. And um, during the day, he like, you know, walked up to him and said, hey, you, you probably won't remember me. But uh, back in 1983, I was seven years old in Nice and I met you at the airport. And, and he told Roger Moore the story. And Roger Moore laughs and says, I don't remember that, but that's, that sounds like me. You know, It's very <laughs> nice to see you again. And then they shoot this commercial. And at the end of the day, the guy's walking down the hallway. And, and Roger Moore is leaving as well to go. You know, His car is going to pick him up, take him to his hotel. And Moore says to him in the hallway, and he goes, of course I remembered you. But you can't trust those cameramen. Any one of them, <laughs> could, any one of them could be working for Spectre.
1: <laughs> oh, wow. That's, that's great. What a story. Uh, it just
0: se- And it just seems like Roger Moore was the type of guy who that sort of thing came naturally to. And you just know that eyebrow. When he says that he raised his eyebrow, you just know the look, right? Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> but oh, man. What, what a great comeback, you know? <sighs> so great. Of course,
0: I'm James Bond. All right, let's take a break here. I'm going to thank our first sponsor. Let's get this show rolling. Uh, it's our good friends at Squarespace. Look, when you need to make a new website, I don't know. Maybe you're going to start a podcast. A lot of people are starting podcasts. You know where you can put your podcast? You can put it at Squarespace. And guess what? Instead of worrying about like creating a CMS or hooking up a CMS or how you're going to post stuff and how you're going to get uh, how you're going to get an RSS feed and an iTunes feed, guess what? You do it at Squarespace, and it all happens automatically oh, your website isn't a podcast, it's something else. You're going to start selling stuff. Maybe maybe you make like custom t-shirts or something like that and you need a store. Guess what? Set it up at Squarespace. Squarespace lets you build websites and it makes it so easy. And you do it right there in the website itself. It's totally WYSIWYG, totally visual. You use Squarespace sites every day, I guarantee it. And you have no idea you're using a Squarespace site unless you look at the source code because the branding is all yours. It's whatever you want. It's, 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 it's like opening, you know, they, they have these great templates to start with, but it's as easy to customize or as fully customizable as an image in Photoshop, anything that you can imagine you could do. So the branding can be all yours. Um, it's just a terrific way to build a website and they take care of every single aspect of it. You can register your domain name with them. They handle all of the hosting. When you have a store, they handle all of the commerce and all of the technical stuff related to the, the secure socket layers and keeping the credit card information, secure all of that. And to top it all off, they have 24 hour a day tech support, uh, real live humans, uh, and so when you have a question about how to do something, you can get in touch with them any time of the day. So maybe you're doing this as, as like a, a hobby at night, and you need to get in contact with them at 10 o'clock in the evening. Guess what? They're available. Great service. Great stuff. Next time you need to build a website, go to Squarespace and start a free trial and see how far you can go before you try anything else. And when you do sign up, just remember this offer code GRUBER, my last name, G-R-U-B-E. Are, and you will get 10% off your first purchase. You can sign up for a year at a time, use that 10% and you'll save a bundle on like a, a year of hosting at Squarespace. So my thanks to Squarespace for their continued support of the talk show. They, they really are easy to use. It's, it's good people. Yeah, yeah. Ah. <sighs> Got some good coffee here, Jim. Yeah, me too. I think it's very obvious what we want to talk about just in the noodling before the show. Here it is. We're recording on May 25th. WWDC is coming up fast. Let's talk about what we expect at
1: WWDC. Well... I mean, that's a show right there, right? There's definitely going to be new iPhones. (laughs) uh, Brand new uh, design with lasers. (laughs) Okay, so...
0: Uh, what would James Bond have on his iPhone today? <laughs> this is a serious question because we actually our iPhones and our our Apple watches. I actually almost called it an iWatch there. Uh, our app, which I never do, uh, and our Apple watches are like James Bond gadgets. I mean, I've said this before. I put it in my, my initial Apple Watch review where it bought. Roger Moore in The Spy who loved me has a little digital watch. It's a Seiko, and it 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 gives him secure text messages from MI6 headquarters. Except instead of showing them on the screen, it pr- prints them out on ticker t- ticker tape.
2: <laughs> <laughs>
1: <laughs> like if you th- you know like where where does the spool of ticker tape go? <laughs> Now, now that's what I want in my Apple Watch. I want a ticker tape thing, so when my texts come in, it will print them. Right, like being
0: able to to raise your wrist and see a text message that was sent totally securely, like an iMessage, where it's got end to end encryption, is a, a James Bond feature. It was when we were kids. Now it's something you can go out and buy for two hundred ninety nine dollars. Yeah, I want that. I don't, what would James Bond have on his iPhone that normal people don't have? I mean, like a switchblade, like a, uh, Uh, you know, what do you call it? What do you call those zappers? Like a cattle prod? You know what I mean? Like the, a stun gun type thing, like tasers, taser. Yeah. I think a taser would be useful.
1: No, he would have to have like a laser or something that he could shoot with. Wouldn't he? I mean, it's gotta be something. Yeah. Roger Moore had a laser on
0: his, on his watch. One, one of those movies, I think it live and let die. Hmm. Remember that Remember he was he mind. was jumping on crocodile heads and uh, <laughs> as you would you know yeah. <laughs> no there's not going to
1: be an i iP- uh, no iPhones at WWDC correct no 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 iPhones so let let's first let's talk about what we know is going to be there mm. and that's software right. Because it is WWDC. It is. And that's one thing that people have to remember going into this. I I would expect that there would be some other things that, that they talk about. But software is the big thing. Well, and the other thing about software
0: is that software, and again, I don't want to make light of the, the job that Apple's software engineering teams do compared to hardware. But hardware is like a, if the idea is a complete product, and one aspect of it falls behind schedule. For the most part, that means the whole project is delayed. So, like, let's say, for example, there is a new iPhone coming out that has an OLED screen instead of the LED screens that the, the current ones have had to date. And the whole thing is planned around this. And at some point, you know, let's say right now they find out the supply of OLED that we need, the exact one we need, it's not going to meet demand. That might set the whole thing back, maybe if they don't True. or or they have to switch it up. But with a software project like iOS and macOS and tvOS and whatever, they might say here's the seven things we want in iOS 11 and if two of them are like mm, maybe not ready, they can just go with the five that are ready and say we'll we'll those two that aren't, you know, we were hoping to get those two out this year but we'll we'll do those next year. Right? Yep. So the annual nature of the software it it, it it's it's more or less just which which major features are gonna are on schedule, and then they make the cut. So we're going to see iOS 11. We're going to see macOS 10.13.
1: Right. Yeah, and they'll um, they'll show us some some new features that are going to be in there. There's always you know a couple of things that people are really looking for. In recent years, it's been a lot of in- integration between the two, um, and then they'll open up. Uh, you know, a bunch of new APIs, and developers get to work. And it, it, it's funny, you know, I was talking to James Dempsey uh, yesterday, the day before, and I said, you know, when a lot of the press sit there, we we look at at the WDC keynote, and they announce, you know, a new iPad or you know an iPod in years past, and and we all clap, but they they announce, you know, a new API. And like five thousand people start screaming and clapping, and you know, yeah. the re- the rest of us are sitting there saying, "Okay, well, I guess that's a big deal." Yeah, like uh, I, it's, I think probably the best example of that
0: th- that I can remember would be when when they announced Swift. Yeah, uh, I got it because I'm a little bit programmery enough. I mean, I have a computer science degree. I mean, so I I I know exactly what they meant you know and i know firsthand how uh polarizing objective c is like it it's it's a weird the thing about objective c that's undeniable i mean and i think even a non programmer could just look at the source code and you see all these square brackets around everything and it it doesn't look like other programming languages whereas swift looks a lot like javascript and other just sort of generic programming languages. It's sort of closer to the ideal of pseudocode. Um, And man, when they announced Swift, that we've got an all new programming language that we've invented, and it's just, you know, optimized for Apple stuff, and it's our language for the future, that Room erupted, and the press area was like, "What does this
1: mean?" <laughs> right? Yeah, it's true, absolutely true. But WDC, in, in in a lot of ways, is completely different than the other events that we go to. Yeah, totally. You know, and then the fact that they brought um,
0: Chris Latner out to do the introduction was again, you know, uh, it, that Chris Latner has since he left actually in, in the last year and has, now works at Tesla, yeah. but he's you know he has been in in charge of apple's programming language stuff for a long time he invented llvm and c lang and he's he's the original he's the original guy who invented swift before it became a group project uh he is a rock star in apple developer circles like he and his reaction to seeing him on stage in the keynote not just in the afternoon state of the tech union you know keynote but the real keynote like people were acting like you know uh, dave grohl and the foo fighters came on stage (laughs) they really were though right (laughs) they were yeah it's it's absolutely true and the press area is everybody most of the people a lot of the people were like googling chris latner you know and they're like (laughs) who the hell is this and why is he getting this rousing (laughs) ovation where he has to wait
1: for everybody to calm down before he starts talking yeah uh so what do you but that's that's who it's for that's that's who this conference is for well
0: it's it's an interesting balance because it is for the mass market like apple definitely expects front page news You know, on newspapers, you know, so it is this interesting mix and, and they definitely can save a lot of the more technical stuff for the afternoon keynote. I mean, that's, you know, I've often said this, that they don't call it a keynote. They call it the state of the union, but the afternoon state of the union thing really is the, the technical keynote. Yep. And so it's interesting when something truly technical, like a new programming language is deemed so important that it makes the morning keynote. Do you go to that? Uh, I wish that I did, uh, and I try to, if I can, but the last few years I've had, um, uh, like the private briefings, post keynote briefings about what's in the morning keynote in the afternoon. And those, <laughs> they tend to run behind. And so, yeah. uh, it's generally impossible for me to make that. So I, I watch it afterwards on video.
1: Yeah, me too. Me too. I, I, I think I I've been, in the i don't know the past five or six years i may have been to one uh and it is interesting it's interesting missing it because i i've
0: i write about apple stuff at a technical enough level and you do too where some of the stuff in that in that uh that session we would we would write about on our websites yeah. but i don't hear about it and i'm in a briefing and then all of a sudden it's like five o'clock and i'm like um uh, you know, maybe like meeting people for beer or something like that. And then they'll, they'll bring up something like that. And I'm like, what, when was that announced? And they're like, in the afternoon. (laughs) And it's like, holy shit.
1: (laughs) Sorry. Yeah. Yeah. It, it always happens though, but you know, those, uh, those two things, those two keynotes that pretty much lays out everything uh
0: i expect the theme i do think i would say this i think apple has kept a very tight lid on whatever it is they're announcing i think a they have a lot to announce i think it's going to be a very busy keynote with a lot of announcements uh i just have that sense and i think a lot of other people do too um uh, but for the
1: most part nothing is leaked yet no i mean what is it no. has anything leaked i don't think so okay so um run through it then um apple watch nothing has leaked right no and i i can't help
0: but think that they are going to have a watch os 4 announcement i i this is what i think about that i think that watch os 3 was so major in terms of okay they really focused on the two things people really like about apple watch are the fitness tracking and notifications and they they coalesced the whole OS, even how you use the hardware buttons and the roller and you know yep. and, and it, i I don't think that there is a way for Watch OS four to be as big a change as Watch OS 3 was because they've coalesced on on the the heart of what Apple Watch is really good for.
1: Did you see the I, I wrote a piece a little while ago about using my Apple watch without an iPhone. And what I found, I I did it on, well, I didn't do it on purpose at first, but I got one of the uh, red iPhones and I didn't sync my watch with it. And I started missing phone calls, text messages, emails because my phone was on silent mm-hmm. because I had my, my watch on and it was linked to my watch. So I would get everything coming in and my watch would vibrate and I would pick up the phone and answer it and, you know, do whatever. Uh, all of a sudden I was missing everything and people would say, you know, I I tried calling you don't you know, look and I'm looking, sure enough, there's, you know, a little list of phone calls right. and text messages. So it's, it's, the, it's become the, subconscious for
0: you that your notifications are going to be on your wrist is what you're yeah. saying
1: yeah so i i didn't have to i never have to pick up my um my my phone anymore because i have everything i need on my watch so uh, when i didn't pair the two of them it was it was devastating for me you know (laughs) so i so I, i actually had to go back and and do it yeah i think i think that's a great
0: example i think that there's it's I think where they're going, where they will go with WatchOS four, is just taking those two areas, fitness and the notifications, and and just the subtle niceties that things that you can do with Apple Watch, like having your Mac unlock just by being near it, which I've become addicted to. Like me too. Um, I swear to God, I, I, in terms of like drawing a blank on why isn't this working, the other day uh, I was where I wasn't wearing my Apple Watch, I was wearing a, a, an analog watch, you know, a mechanical watch. <laughs> And I log. I go to my MacBook, and I didn't feel that tap on my wrist, and it's asking me for my password. And I'm like, oh, what the fuck is handoff broken? Is continuity broken?
1: What?" And then I like, "Oh, I was like, duh, of course I can yeah. log in." Uh, yeah, I well, I I'm so used to that now. I just walk up and, and hit a button. Yeah, and you know it wakes up, logs me in, yeah. and I'm done. So yeah, that was another thing. Uh, when I didn't pair the two, I'd go in and tap my keyboard. And it would—I'd sit there looking at the screen like right. it well, does remind it? me. It's one of my favorite features
0: of Apple Watch because it does remind me. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I've had a password on my MacBook for a long time now, really uh, ever since I started traveling and by airplane semi-frequently. Um, but when I first got like a, a, a PowerBook, I guess it was my first one was uh, the, what I owned was an iBook back in the day. I didn't even, you know, I didn't put a password on it because it was too too annoying compared to just lifting the screen and being logged in. I don't even know if you could back then, could you? Could you put a, like, back in the Mac OS 9 days, could you put a password on a machine? Yeah, remember we had, uh, uh, they had voice login. Yeah, but you, it was like, it, but Mac OS 9 was so not secure by default that if you just force rebooted the machine, it would just start up and you'd... <laughs> I, I mean, it, it, you know, I mean, you laugh, but it, you know, we didn't think anything uh, of it in a the day. There were no user no, accounts, you know what I mean? It was like, you just turn the thing on and it, and it, and there you were, which was super convenient. And, you know, eventually, you know, with good security and, and having your disc encrypted. And so you feel safe that if somebody, you know, it, it, if somebody stole or, you know, my MacBook in the airport, they can't get my date, you know, they haven't, they have a nice MacBook. they can sell, but they can't get to my data. Um, so it's worth it for that. But just having your Apple Watch un- unlock it automatically just by like touching a button, it takes you back to those days where you could just, you're just in. And it's very secure. Yeah. So I think that the will the Apple Watch announcements, who knows? I mean, we don't know what they are, but it's, I just think they'll be about adding more nice things that happen just by being in proximity to something. Um,
1: what, what about Apple Watch hardware?
0: I don't think that they'll announce it at WWDC. I think that that's considered a September thing. That's what I think. Okay. It would be a very big surprise if they did, though. Yeah. Um, but I just don't think so. And I do think, I think that, you know, and we, we'll get to that in a moment. Um, but I think that that also limits some of the fitness announcements they can make. Because I think there's only so much they can do in the OS. Whereas a lot of the improvements I think they want to make require new hardware. Which, like, for example, yeah. <laughs> the the story that's MS or CNBC has been tracking it, where uh, where they've reported that Apple is working on glucose monitoring, non-invasive, right. continuous glucose monitoring, and they even said that Tim Cook personally is wearing an Apple Watch prototype around Apple's campus that does it. Yes, um, I, it, this is such a huge deal. I don't personally have anybody in my immediate family who has diabetes, but I have friends who have kids with diabetes, a couple of friends who have kids with juvenile diabetes. And, you know, all of them are, are super healthy and are all getting great medical care. But it, it is a 24-hour-a-day nonstop source of minor stress on the parents right. and the kid. I mean, because the only way to monitor your blood is through the pricks and that sucks. It sucks even if you're an adult, but guess what? Like if you have a seven year old and you you know, like they're sick and you get the diagnosis, like it's always good news when you figure out what is wrong. Right. And you say, we know exactly what's wrong. You know, we have bad news. Your kid's diabetic, but the good news is, you know, it's totally treatable, but you tell a seven year old that you're going to have to pick, prick their skin and get a blood sample every day. For the rest of their life, I mean that it, it just doesn 't fly you know uh, so conti- you know to have it but in a non invasive continuous method through the watch I, I just, it would be so great for the kids, so great for adults who have diabetes and then the, the thing that that occurs to me personally because it, it, my wife and I our son has a, a really severe anaphylactic dairy allergy. Um, like if he has even just a little bit of dairy, he gets violently ill and, and has passed out even in like a hospital setting with like an eighth of a teaspoon of milk. Um, and we've been really lucky over the years and he's a real cautious kid. And he just does, he just by default, if he doesn't know what's in something, he just doesn't eat it. He'll go hungry rather than take a flyer on whether there's dairy and in, in food. But wow. uh, especially for my wife, because she's a bigger worrier than me every single day, especially when he was a younger kid, but you know, he's 13 now, but when he was like, you know, first grade, second grade, it's every day. I mean, and his school is great and allergies are so common now that, you know, schools are, school nurses are all you know, well aware of which kids have which allergies, but in the back of my wife's mind, um, it's constantly starts like, what if he accidentally gets dairy now? Dairy is different, but imagine if he had diabetes instead, and not only is he, and he could wear an Apple watch if, if my wife could get that notification too, that, Hey, uh, you know, his, his glucose is high or low. Not only could she help him, but just on the normal days when there's no problem, the fact that she knows his glucose is fine because she doesn't have that alert would be, it's life changing. Right.
1: I mean, that's a sense of, of calm. You know, I know everything is okay. Um,
0: I don't know. The thing is about the CNBC report. I am not surprised at all that Apple's working on this. It, it it's it seems like a p- perfect Apple pr- problem to solve, but there's no indication of whether this is planned for this next you know this year's new Apple watches or not. Like it it could be the sort of thing that might be two three years out, and it could be the sort of thing that even if they have it working pretty well, it, it for all I know, it might be like two or three years of regulatory hurdles before they can ship it.
1: Right. And that's something that you were talking about earlier where, you know, the software could be ready, but if the hardware is not right. And the regulatory stuff,
0: I mean, God, I can't even imagine what a nightmare that is, you know, and for good reason
1: it should be regulated, but
0: it's, you know, I'm, I'm sure that it's, it, it it moves, those type of things move at a much slower pace than the tech world does.
1: All right. So let me, uh, let me upset some people here and, play um, devil's advocate and be, look at this in a cynical way. Uh, do, do you think Apple is doing this as a way to sell more devices or because they care about health? I think both.
0: I I do think both. I think that uh, of course they're in the business of selling devices. And of course, if they can turn this into a device that, that uh, health insurance would subsidize the purchase of, and I, I think it would. I think health insurance policies would buy kids Apple watches, or, or, or at least subsidize a big chunk of the price because it's a it, it two hundred ninety nine dollar watch, or two fifty, or maybe you know, if it takes two or three years, by that time they'll have one for one ninety nine or something. Um, it, it could greatly, greatly. I mean, number one, it, it could absolve them of the cost that the insurance is already covering for the the, the invasive. Blood tests, right, right, um, and it's going to keep these kids. It's going to keep these kids healthier, right? It's going to keep them from from you know going to the doctor, you know, by having you know their their blood sugar drop or something like that. Um, you know, and so yeah, and and then once if insurance covers the price, then Apple's going to sell a boatload more of these watches. I mean, diabetes is is uh, you know obviously a fairly common disease. I mean. I, so I don't know that it's entirely a coincidence that they're attacking a disease where there's a fairly large market of patients as opposed to some tr- more obscure disease that maybe the watch could also do. But I I, I feel like the, the altruism of it and the business aspect of it go hand in hand. Yeah. And you know what they won't do? Here's here's just one last point on this. What they won't do is... Remember that scumbag guy? I don't even remember his name. I don't even want to say his name. But the guy who bought the rights to some... Prescription drug that was like unique, and then the first thing he right. did was raise the price by ten x. Yeah. Um, so, like, what Apple won't do is no way would they do is make a special edition glucose monitoring Apple Watch that costs a thousand dollars. Correct. Yeah. Right. I agree. It would be a thing that everybody gets in their Apple Watch. That's where they, you know, they won't price gouge the 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 people who need the glucose monitoring one.
1: I I truly believe. That Apple cares about health, and I I I think that they're researching this as a way to 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 really help people. You know, the same with with the fitness, and and look yep. at how they they went through, um, you know, with with uh, wheelchairs, and yep. you know, they worked with those people to say, how can we make this better for you? Obviously, we won't tell you to stand anymore because that's, mm-hmm. rude. And, you know, but they did a lot of things where they can track uh, for swimmers and for all of these things. I, I truly believe that they care about that. I do too. And a, as a side effect, they do sell um, more devices and that's obviously very important to them. That is their business. But I think that they're, they're starting to pull way out in front. Of uh, other companies, as far as health tracking goes, and 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 I include like glucose monitoring and things like that in there. Do you remember the shareholders
0: meeting a couple of years ago, where where um, I think that what happened was that a, a, a shareholder stood up and 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 I think gave Tim Cook grief over Apple's environmental spending. I, I think it was on, a, but it doesn't really matter. But it was something like that. Let's say like, hey what's the return on event, on investment of this for shareholders with this, you know, I don't care about this, you know, greenhouse gases, you know. And I, I, Tim I Cook got remember. angry and said, yes. God, I wish there was footage of it. All we have is like people replaying it. But he said, I don't give a damn about your bloody ROI. On some, now, are, There are some issues where we don't give a damn about your bloody ROI. And you know that that word bloody was almost the F word. <laughs> yep, yep. Because <laughs> Tim Cook isn't British, so I don't think. <laughs> He certainly doesn't <laughs> sound British. Um, uh, no. Uh, you know, and, and I think that on this accessibility stuff and and the, and the some of this stuff, it's absolutely not measured as an ROI. I don't think that they sell. I don't think making the Apple Watch a great fitness tracker for people in wheelchairs. Yes, there are people in wheelchairs who've since bought an Apple Watch who wouldn't have bought one otherwise because they know that it's going to work for their needs, you know, which are obviously very, very different than somebody who's walking. Um, But I don't think that anybody at Apple ever performed the spreadsheet calculation of how many more we can sell versus how much it's going to cost us to develop it. I think that the idea of, Hey, let's make this thing work for wheelchair people, people in wheelchairs, um, and everybody i think everybody was like oh yeah definitely let's do that i don't i don't, I'll bet there wasn't one person who who said well let's let's run a cost analysis first Agreed. no way that's and and you know i really do think that that's one of the things that makes apple a different company i mean obviously some of these initiatives are so big uh, on the environmental front that i think they have to be measured financially you know uh, you know building out these giant solar farms i'm sure that they know exactly what the cost you know, is, but I still don't think that they do them. You know, they certainly don't do them to save money. Apple's not saving money by being carbon neutral. They, they truly, well, they truly, they see it as a long-term investment in the company by making the world a better place.
1: Yeah. And then there is some uh, energy savings uh, because they're, they all, I I think it's long-term, you know, that they are neutral. Right.
0: Apple spends more money on energy though because they're carbon neutral than they would if they said we don't give a shit if we're carbon neutral. <laughs> yeah. They would they do. They but, spend more money and there's no there's really no direct return on that investment. There's no immediate return on it. It's 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 a long term, you know, uh, if the world is a better place and 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 we can set an example that others follow, and we can help get these greenhouse uh, gases down. Apple will be in better place in fifty years when everybody who's here right now is retired or dead. Apple's going to be in a better place because of this, because the world's in a better place. I I, I mean, it'll, I don't want to get it'll all ketchup, namzy, pamsy here, but <laughs> I do. I think, I, but I think you're right, and I think the fitness. Stuff, I'm telling you right now. I was it last year where they announced the wheelchair support at WWC. Um, I think it was I last year. I so. I think yeah. it was last year with WatchOS 3. I, I, I mean, I teared up in the movie. I mean, it's because, yep. I, and I felt a little guilty because I have to admit that before Apple showed it to me in, in their intro video, it never even occurred to me that, that the default configuration of Apple Watch, where it assumes that you are walking and running and jogging, isn't going to work for someone in a wheelchair. Just it yeah. didn't occur to me. And, and I felt sadly, but the way that Apple presented it, I was yeah. like, oh, God, I teared up. I was, I mean, as I get older, I'm getting softer. <laughs> <laughs>
1: we all are, John.
0: Speaking of wheelchairs, yeah. friend of the show, uh, David underscore Smith. He's uh, a developer with all the plus plus apps. He's got a pedometer plus plus app that, that hooks into Health Kit and gives you a like a pedometer specific uh interface. It's a great app if if you're interested in counting your steps and stuff like that. You should really look into it. It's a terrific app. Um did you see there's a new feature in iOS that they've added a couple iOS 10 a couple months ago where an app can set a custom icon for the app. So for oh, ex- no. oh, they they apparently added it for sports apps. So for example, the MLB app can now it asks you now hey would you like to change the icon for the app to the icon of your favorite team so for me i oh I, you can put the red socks yeah there. I, could put, I could put the red socks uh, <laughs> tampa bay devil race any anybody i want <laughs> i actually tried it it's funny i tried it when it for hmm. when I, I heard about the feature and i heard that it was all apps can do it but it was it was i i heard i heard somewhere i think it was I don't think it was through public channels, but I heard somewhere that Eddie Q sort of spearheaded it because of his interest in sports and he knows some of the guys at this, you know, the sports apps. Um, And so I tried it and I hated it because even though I love the Yankees and the Yankees are most of what I care about in the MLB app, it totally breaks years of my habit of looking at the MLB logo, the the league's logo, and tapping that. You know, so I actually turned that off. But anyway, David underscore Smith um, used that feature and has an option in his Pedometer uh, Plus Plus app to change the icon from somebody walking to somebody in a wheelchair. Oh, that's nice. It's, it's You know what? It's like the same way that, honestly, it's like the way that people at Apple think of things like that. Yeah. The Apple developer community is full of, when, when you have somebody who's a, a developer but who has a thoughtful sort of humanist streak to them like David Smith... That's why he's an iOS developer, right? It just is the sort of thing that occurs to, you know, the right kind of people. I don't know. I saw that in his change
1: notes, and I was like, "Oh man, that's a great feature." Um, What did you think of uh, Derek Jeter Day? I can't really talk about it, Jim.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Uh. (laughs) Ah. I have a better story though than Derek Jeter J. Derek Jeter day was Mother's Day and I was thinking about going and taking my son but Amy didn't want to go and it's Mother's Day and Derek Jeter picked Mother's Day it wasn't you know he, they, yeah. he, he said when would you like to have your day and it he said I'd you know I, I love my mom so much I'd love it would be it would be meaningful to me to have it on Mother's Day but it put me in a position of do we blow off Mother's Day and go see a Yankees game that wouldn't be a good idea well, I I have to say on in all honesty, you know her and so this might you might be surprised, but she was honest to God, she was like, go. Seriously, you know, we'll we'll do something on Saturday or whatever, but you know, if you want to go, go. And she I believe really, that. you know, like one thing I, I don't have to worry about with her is she tells me what she's thinking. <laughs> <laughs> so like I don't have to worry about the thing where she might say, "Oh yeah, you should go," and then we go and then I find out it was a test and I failed the test. No, if she doesn't want me to go, she she would say, "You sh- are you an idiot? Why would you go on Mother's Day? But she told us to go, but we didn't. And instead, I watched it on TV. Um, and this is the best thing friend of the show, Matthew Panzerino, um, hmm. was in New York at the time. They're having Tech crunch disrupt. And Monday morning, uh, his first, the first day of the conference, he had an interview with Derek Jeter and uh, his co founder of the website, the Players Tribune. And, um, Matthew invited me up to, you know, to come see it and have backstage passes, and I got one for Jonas as well. So we played hooky. He missed school, unfortunately, and we took the train up to New York, saw uh, Matthew's excellent interview with Derek Cheater, and then uh, Jonas and I met him backstage.
1: Oh, good for you!
0: It was great. He's very wow, nice. very very <clears throat> nice man. Very handsome. God, is he handsome? Jesus. <laughs> He's not as handsome as I am. I mean, well, let's be honest. I don't know, Jim. I don't know when uh, I'm around uh, you. <laughs>
1: well, yeah, that's what you tell people. His hands are softer than yours as well, <laughs> I, have to, I have to say. <laughs> I, I don't even know what to say about that. Derek Jeter has very soft hands. Uh, I, I, I like d- calfskin. I don't know what to say. Corinthian yeah. leather. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Jeterian love leather. <laughs> I, I must say that uh, I, I did watch that. Because obviously, you know, he's a, a very important man in the sport. And I I was I was touched. Yep. I gotta say, I you know, looking at the people in the crowd, they were crying. You know, they were they were proud, they were sad, you know, they they understood what he meant for the team.
0: Yeah, and he just had that sort of magical yeah. career where things just always seemed to go right for him. Up, you know, up until that bloop single in the World's two thousand one World Series that went over his head. Uh, but even then, it's like even when they lost the World Series, they had to lose it in like the most spectacular fashion possible. Yeah, a broken bat bloop single over over the shortstop right after they you know had him come in to to play a close grandpa. ball. Uh, no, it was it was great, and Yankee fans certainly appreciate that sort of thing yeah uh all right back to wWdc yeah okay. so I don't think we'll see hardware on Apple watch there's rampant rumors though that we might see new ipad hardware uh what do you think about that that wouldn't surprise me at all because i would say primarily uh it's just been so long right yeah. so the 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 twelve point nine inch the big ipad pro uh came out in September of 2015 so it's over a year and a half old. And the regular-sized iPad Pro came out last March, April, mm. around around then. So it's a little over a year. Um, it's just crying for an update. And if it doesn't come out at WWDC, that pushes it to the fall. And I just don't think that they would want to do that. I think if they can announce it at WWDC, they will.
1: I I think updates to the iPad make perfect sense for the hardware that will be at the
0: event. And you know, the rumor and but nothing has really leaked. I mean, rumors have leaked, but there's no like here's a picture of what the new iPad looks like. Yeah. Um, but the rumors are that it's it's sort of the same footprint device but with a screen that's bigger that goes edge to edge, you know, that that eliminates the chin and forehead as as I call them. Yeah. Um, some of the rumors suggest that only the 10 point something inch one is going to ship. I find that hard to believe unless unbeknownst to all of us, the 12 point9 inch iPad is sort of a flop. I mean, if they don't have an update to the one that hasn't come out since September 2015, it it, it would say to me that maybe they're they're done with that size iPad. I mean, I, I can't imagine why they would update the smaller one before they do the other one. I think they should update them together. And it makes total sense to me, given how much more expensive iPad Pros are than regular just plain iPads, that they would want them to look different too. And this reduction in bezel would be a way to do that, where you look like you've got a more pro iPad because it's got this cooler edge-to-edge
1: screen. That is my favorite one.
0: To the be big honest.
1: one? <clears throat> uh, the... the uh uh, the pro, yeah, the big the, pro, no the, the, no, the smaller pro. Yeah, that's smaller, my favorite too. Smaller pro is my favorite, and and I'll I'll be honest with you, a lot of it is because of uh that True Tone technology mm-hmm. with the screen. I can see that thing outside in the sun. Yeah, and I'm well, still I still walk around with my phone turning so that it's in the shade, mm. you know, so that I can see it properly. I wish they bring True Tone to everything. I want True that, in my car and my eyeballs. I do too.
0: I still remember when Schiller introduced it and he said once you once you get used to it you can't go back. Yep. And that made me think it was coming on the iPhone too last year and it did too. Me too. Um, but it I it's probably my biggest disappointment single biggest disappointment about the iPhone 7 is that it doesn't have True Tone. Um,
1: because it's such a nice effect. Agreed. I don't know I don't know how they do it but you can see the screen changing as you're moving into different areas. And it just, it, it really looks so much different and better
0: in, in incandescent light. You know, it's, I don't like, I personally hate that feature personally. I'm not saying I'm disappointed that it's a feature in the OS, but I hate that feature where it, it changes the color of the screen at night for yeah. the, the supposed uh, help getting to sleep. Uh, what's that one called? I hate it, so I don't know the name of it. Night shift. Uh, well, it, night shift, yeah. Yeah, I hate night shift. I and when I see somebody using a phone with night shift, I'm I instantly I'm appalled. It looks to me like it's been sitting in like a a a a hole in the wall bar for 30 years and it's just covered with nicotine stains. Yeah. Uh uh, but, but supposedly each that zone. works for well to uh, each his own, people. and yeah. people, you know, some people swear by it. But uh, for people who haven't seen the iPad Pro with True Tone, it sounds like it's the same thing, where it shifts the colors based on the ambient colors of the light in the environment you are. But it's nothing like Night Shift because nothing. to me, Night Shift, you know, you, when you look at Night Shift, it doesn't make the screen look right; it makes the screen look different, and yes. I personally find it distasteful. People who who like it that they, they find it easier on their eyes at night. They they know that it's on though. Whereas True Tone, once you get used to it, you don't know that it's there. It just makes the screen look quote-unquote right in all lighting environments.
1: Yeah, and and you can you can take the iPad with True Tone outside and if you watch carefully, I find it better uh, coming from outside to inside. If you watch carefully yep. on the screen, you can see not the screen dim or not the screen get brighter, but actually change the way that it's displaying things to you. So when if you take a, an older iPad outside and set it in the sun and try and do something, you can't really see the screen. Right. But the one with True Tone, you can see it just as if you were inside.
0: Well, and then the other thing, too, is when I compare it, like, uh, Amy uses a 9.7-inch iPad Pro um, a lot. It's, like, her favorite computing device. Um, uh, uh, and she uses it at night, and then I see her screen, and then I look at my iPhone screen, and my iPhone screen suddenly looks like, you know, <laughs> like, the colors look off. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I, I... I definitely want that. So I think iPhone. iPad hardware at WWDC, I, I, I'm not going to call it a sure thing because I don't feel like anything's a sure thing with with as much secrecy as the, they've maintained around their stuff. But it certainly is overdue. Yeah. And I would really like to see both two sizes of iPad Pros with these new edge-to-edge screens. I'd like to see the regular size, and I want to see the big size.
1: That, to me, is... is- uh, the one that makes the most sense. Of course, outside of the software, uh, if we're looking at hardware, that is the one that makes the most sense to me.
0: I would like to see a, a significant improvement to the smart keyboard cover as well. Yeah. I don't mind typing on that thing, but I think it could be better. It, it, when I first looked at it, I was like, I'm going to hate that. And then when I actually tried using it, I was like, this is actually a little better than I thought. Um but i feel like there's so much room
1: for improvement i i i don't understand why the the keys on the the cover are so small
0: <laughs> i know, i know exactly what you mean why not make them bigger and make them closer to each other
1: yeah it just it they have those beautiful keyboards um you know on the macbook pros if yeah. they would take that put it on a smart cover i would love it even if it made the cover thicker, I it doesn't matter. All right, uh, but I don't. I don't think that it would make the cover thicker. I mean, those keys are pretty high as it is. Here's 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 an out
0: there idea that would make me more likely to to do more on an iPad as work would be if they added a trackpad to the smart keyboard cover. Yeah, and yeah. my idea for them adding a, a trackpad would not be. Of course, not adding a mouse arrow on screen, an arrow pointer that you could tap all around the screen and make it like a Mac. No, because that's the whole difference. You know, the Mac is an arrow mouse pointer based graphical user interface. The iPad is a direct touch interface just for text editing in the exact same way that iOS already supports force touch on the iPhone for Moving the cursor around like like a mouse, like a trackpad. Yeah. And somebody on Twitter today, I, I forget who I'm sorry, uh, but somebody pointed out that that the force touch on the on the keyboard on iPhone to move the insertion point around just like a trackpad on Mac is their single favorite uh, force touch feature on the iPhone, and I completely agree. And yeah. so, and, and every time I mention it, uh, it's one of those features that's not obvious because you can't look to assume it's there. I guarantee you there are people listening to the show right now who are like, what the hell is he talking about? And then they're going (laughs) to take out their iPhone. So go to like a a note or an email where you're writing an email, bring up the keyboard and then force touch on the keyboard and drag your finger around. And you'll see the little insertion point on screen move around just like a mouse pointer. I would love to see them add that to the, to the smart keyboard cover just for text editing, everything else you still tap the screen. Uh, I guess the other thing that maybe the trackpad could be used for would be scrolling, but not a mouse pointer. Scrolling, you know, like two-finger touch on the trackpad for a scrolling a view so that you, you, you don't have to reach your arm out to scroll. Mm. I think that would be cool, too. Everything but the mouse pointer and then just use it for um, to, uh, moving the insertion point. I find that would be – it would make text editing so much faster. Like, I, I find it so hard to
1: select text on an iPad. I, I really do. Yeah, I'm. I'm, I'm trying to think space wise how you would do that. I'm trying to make the keys bigger, <laughs> you <know>? and I'm. <laughs> I'm telling them to add a add a trackpad. <laughs> trackpad. Well, I think you'd set it up
0: like a MacBook where the keys are up top by the base of the iPad, and underneath there's underneath the space bar. There's a little little trackpad.
1: Yeah, you wouldn't need a big trackpad.
0: No, just a little one. I I would make me I think it would make people who who work on iPads so happy. I mean, there's things that I, I I've taken for granted on the Mac since I first used a Mac in the 80s. You know, where you can just put your mouse in a point in a in a paragraph and triple click and get a get the whole paragraph selected. Right. Right. Like it, it, to double click on a word with the mouse pointer, it's so much faster to me than selecting a word in with the finger. Or if you want to select two words, like if, if I've got Jim space Dalrymple to just double, I don't even think about it. I just double click on Jim and then drag over, you know, hold on the double click, drag over to Dalrymple. And as soon as I hit the D in Dalrymple, I've got both words selected exactly, no surrounding spaces, and they're ready to be Copied or pasted, or I guess if it says Jim Dalrymple, delete it. <laughs> <laughs>
1: you know what I mean? I, yeah. Do
0: you I, think that Apple would do that, or are they that re- or are they too resistant to the to the difference between touch and trackpad? iOS versus Mac. Yeah. I, um,
1: I I mean they've they've been very clear up until now that they don't they don't seem to want. The I think iPad to look anything like, or act anything
0: like a... I think that if you don't add a mouse pointer on screen, other than when you're moving the insertion point around, and as soon as you're done moving it, it just, you know, the blinking cursor lets go where you let go, uh, I, I think it could be done. I think that the iPad could gain a trackpad and not not really become mac like in any way it would just have some conveniences of trackpad support in a way that the mac can't just add touch and and you know what i mean it's easier for the ios to get for the ipad to get more like a mac than for the mac to get more like an ipad is what i'm trying to say yeah without losing what it is that makes each one good on its own I would, I would, I have no idea. Again, this is uh, none of this stuff. Not one thing I'm talking about today is like a rumor that I've heard from little birdies or anything. I've heard nothing and I don't want to know. I'm, I'm hoping to go into this keynote, totally surprised. So this is just me speculating, but I, I see it on Twitter all the time when I write about these things, like from Daring De- Fireball readers that people, you know, this idea of having trackpad support f- just for text editing and maybe like scrolling on the iPad is something an awful lot of people would like to see.
1: Yeah, no, I agree. I agree. Because what I tend to use the iPad for a lot is text editing, you know, research, reading, typing out little notes, stuff like that. So... I would love to see something like that.
0: And it does support text, uh, like making selections with the keyboard, you know, like where you can, you know, use the arrow keys to get the insertion point right where you want it and hold down shift to make a selection and hold down shift and option to select words at a time. Uh, but you know what? Most people don't know those shortcuts. Yeah. Uh, whereas people do know how to select words, double-click on words and triple-click on paragraphs with a mouse pointer. I what, I, and I, I still want the keys bigger what about <laughs> all right what about the iPad mini uh boy oh. genius report Jonathan Geller reported last week that he's heard from a source at Apple that the iPad mini is going to be discontinued but that whether that means that we're just haven't you know I think if that's true if and I I don't know I, I'm just saying if it's true I don't think it means that they're going to Stop selling the iPad Mini. I think they're going to do what they've done with the MacBook Air with it, and just keep selling the MacBook Mini as it is until people stop buying it.
1: I okay. I do like the i the iPad Mini, but I use the nine point seven much more.
0: I love the iPad Mini, but it's it's hit me right in the as I'm. I'm at the, I've talked about this before, but it um at the point now where I need reading glasses when I have my contacts in. Um, It's exactly on schedule for a mid-40s person who's uh, nearsighted. Like, all of a sudden, I need... it. The fact that the iPad mini is the same interface as the... Pixel for pixel, the same interface as the 9.7-inch iPad, just smaller, uh, makes it... It's hard for me to read at this point. I love it, though. And when I was younger, and and, and honestly, the way that, that Presbyopia comes on uh, for those of you you too young to have it yet it happens very fast you're you're i know you're going through the same thing yeah uh and it ha- it, you, it it's like one year you see perfectly at at reading distance just like you did when you were in your teens and your 20s and your 30s and then all of a sudden like one year later it's like you you can't read this distance and you have to hold it out and then two years later it's like i can't read this at all yeah um that's happened to me in between when the iPad Mini first appeared and today. Like when the iPad Mini first appeared, I had no trouble reading it, um, and I loved it. I loved it because of the size. I, I really, really loved it. Uh, and so, uh, personally, I'm—I don't really care because I don't think I would ever buy an iPad Mini again. Personally, because I—I I want the bigger. I want. I want. I want everything bigger. Well, Um, I,
1: I need it bigger. Yeah.
0: (laughs) You know, I I'll I'll say, yeah, I'll, I'll go as far as you, I need it bigger. Um, uh,
1: When I, when I travel though, I always take my, my 9.7. If I'm at home, I'll use the the larger one, but um, given the choice, it's that 9.7 pro. But if
0: my eyes were better, I would I would still be use, I would still prefer the iPad mini. So if I were younger or just had better eyesight at this point, I'd be disappointed by this news.
1: I wonder what the demographic is of people in general buying iPads. I wonder if I don't they're know. older or younger. You know what I noticed? I just bought a uh speaking it's all kind of
0: related. It all comes full circle, Jim. So um I got a new prescription for glasses from my my uh, eye doctor. Um uh, for when I'm wearing my contacts. When I wear contact lenses, I need reading glasses. And when I wear my regular prescription glasses, I need to take my glasses off to see up close. Does that make huh. sense to you? Yeah. So okay. so one way or the other, all day every day I'm taking glasses on and off. I can either have them have prescription glasses on to see at distance and take them off to read. Or I can wear my contact lenses and see everything at distance fine, but have to put reading glasses on to read. Uh, long story short. So for my reading glasses, while I'm wearing contact lenses, my eye doctor gave me a new prescription, uh, which is... A, a, little different. Like at, you know, a lot of people buy the reading glasses just in the drugstore. You can get them for like six bucks. Right. Uh, I wanted to get, and I've been using those just to sort of experiment uh, cheaply. Um, but I got a new pair of reading glasses, uh, and I wanted to get a decent pair of glasses uh, since I use them all the time now. So I, I got Warby Parker's. They said they're not sponsoring this episode of the show, but we have a nice, uh, new, just opened a couple months ago, Warby Parker boutique here in Philadelphia. That's just a few blocks from, from where I live. Um, and so I went to their actual store to see what it was like and got these glasses there. And what I noticed was that every single uh, salesperson in the store walks around with an iPad mini. And that's how they do their checkout. Like, it'll, you know, when you say, hey, I'd like to get these glasses, here's my prescription, and they say, "Have you ever bought glasses from us before, and they, you know, log you out. The, what they have in their hand is an iPad mini. Huh. And I think it's perfect for the task. I feel like, and it's a lot less conspicuous than walking around with a bigger iPad. It's a little lighter. Um, and I I've seen them too as Square Cash readers a lot of places. You know, like when people set up Square Cash as their yeah. checkout. And I, but I wonder if it's because the Mini is small, or is it just because they bought the cheapest possible iPad because it's just going to be a card reader. And at the time, the Mini was the cheapest possible iPad. And now that there's the new nine point seven inch iPad at a, a lowest the lowest price in the lineup, they'll
1: just buy that instead. I don't think so. I think the Mini works perfect for that type of situation. And I kind of, you know,
0: I, f- I feel like the situations where the mini works, it makes sense that they, they don't need to update it. Like it would be nice, but if they're selling it in kind of low quantities, like it, this is obviously not the biggest selling iPad. Cause if it were, they'd just update it, but in selling in quantities enough that it makes sense to keep it around, even if they don't update the config, it makes sense. It might be around for years to come. I don't know. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And they already have it up to sort of the
0: baseline level of modern Apple iOS hardware, where it has Touch ID support, it has a Retina screen.
1: What do you think the, uh, their thought is? The iPhone is getting bigger and kind of encroaching on where the Mini is, or the fact that people just aren't buying the Mini? i I think it has something to do I
0: well I, I don't think it's what Apple's thinking I think it's what customers are thinking and I think Apple's you know customers do the thinking and what they sell or what they buy Apple makes more of and updates and I think what customers are probably thinking is uh, they like the I think most I think more people like the nine point seven inch iPad I think Apple got that right right in in 2010, when the first one came out, like they got the size right. Yeah, of this is this is the best size for uh, the device that we're thinking of calling the iPad. I think they nailed it, and I think it's still true to this day. And I think the fact that for people who kind of want a a more handheld size thing, the 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 plus size phones are so are not so close. I mean, there's definitely a difference between an iPad Mini and an iPhone Seven Plus, but It's close enough though, that somebody who has a seven plus is not going to buy an iPad mini.
1: Yeah. I'd I'd agree with that. And once they get rid of the, uh, what did you call them? The chin and the forehead. Yeah. Um, that's going to make, it's going to make it seem even, well, I suppose it will be, but I do think the current pricing lineup is a little weird for the iPad.
0: Um, because it, it there's like a big gap between the the i the nine point seven inch just plain iPad, the one that just came out a few months ago, and the entry level iPad Pro. Like there's there's no middle range in the iPad lineup anymore. Like it used to be the Mini was the low end price, the nine point seven inch uh what they used to call the iPad Air was the mid range, and then the iPad Pro was the high end. But instead, they don't really have a mid-range anymore because they dropped the price on the 9.7-inch iPad below the price of the iPad Pro, right? If you look at the 32-gigabyte models uh, or the entry-level models, the the cheapest Mini iPad mini is a 399 iPad with 128 gigabytes. And then to get the regular iPad you can get one for 329 which is a lower price but it only has 32 gigabytes and then the 128 model uh, which is probably the better model for most people 32 is pretty pretty slim is 429 so for only 30 bucks more you can get the uh, the new iPad instead of the iPad mini 4 that's a that's a hell of a deal i mean that seems it just doesn't it sort of defies the hey you get a discount for buying a small iPad
1: so for uh, uh It it seems like they're pushing people towards that. Right. And then the next yeah. one
0: up is a 32 gigabyte, 9.7 inch iPad Pro. It jumps all the way to 599 You go from 429 to 600 bucks, And at, at 128 gigs for the 128 gig config, which for the Pro, I think most people are going to want. Because if you really are thinking about using the iPad in a use case where you don't need a lot of storage, or you're not going to put a lot of apps on it, you're not going to get a Pro anyway. You're going to get the just plain iPad so for the 128, it goes to 699 It's 700 bucks. Yeah. That's almost, it's at least, what is it, $270 difference between the 9.7-inch iPad and the 9.7-inch iPad Pro at 128 gigabytes. I, I, that, that seems like too big of a gap. So and it I it, it just makes me think that whatever they're going to announce at WWDC is going to fill in some of the gaps in that pricing like like maybe what they'll do is introduce hmm. these new iPad Pros with the chin and forehead gone and keep the prices that we have right now for iPad Pros and then keep some of the older iPad Pros that are on sale today and look, keep them in the lineup in that mid-range
1: price range that's what, what I, that would be my bet as to what Apple does yeah and and there's rumors of the new size right yeah yeah. Well, the new size though is it's a screen
0: size, not a device size. I think right. what that means is when they take the the chin and forehead away, they f- instead of making the device smaller, they just fill it in with a slightly bigger screen. Hmm. And that, I if mean, you stacked it on top of each other, it might be about the same size physically.
1: So, what's that going to do to uh, the graphics and everything? I it, nothing. It, I think that I think it's that's just going to spread it out. Yeah, I think that the, these the the graphics on these
0: iPads or on the the a10 series chips it doesn't even break a sweat yeah yeah that uh, makes sense
1: what about apps
0: will it affect them in any yeah I think that they'll need to be you know but I think if they're using the size classes right and and the apps that have already been written to adjust to iPad uh, split screen multitasking you know where where you no longer make assumptions about you, that you have the whole screen right you, you might be 50-50 you might be two thirds one third I think apps that are already adjust to that will adjust to the new size easily. Okay, and and if they don't, you know, and I'm sure they'll have a mode in where apps that haven't been updated by their developers will just run in a stretched mode or something like that, or maybe like letterboxed or something like that. Do you
1: use that split screen?
0: Uh, I don't use an iPad enough, but when I do use an iPad, I definitely use the split screen. Mm.
1: I I found that to be very helpful. It's one of those. Uh, features uh, like you talked about earlier with unlocking your Mac that you know you just you, once you get used to using you kind of really love. Yeah, you know. Uh,
0: one thing I definitely do on the iPad is I wa- I will watch uh, baseball games, and it's nice to have the baseball game uh, it, it running while you're still. Uh, paying attention to like a Slack conversation or an iMessage or something like that, and you don't have to leave the game. You can just you know you can just chat with somebody while you're watching the game. It's, it's yeah. you know I definitely use it. I think it could be improved though, and which leads me to the next topic. But I will I will hold that until I do another sponsor break to thank our next sponsor. It's Fracture. You guys know Fracture. Fracture is the photo decor company that is out to rescue your favorite images from the digital ether. Here's what they do, you send Fracture your photos, the photos you've taken with your iPhone or whatever other camera you want. You send them to Fracture, take your favorite ones, send them to Fracture, you pick sizes, and they take your photos and print them directly onto glass. They have a laser cut, rigid backing. Everything, they send you everything you need then. You you send them your photos, they send them to you on glass, in a box, and it has everything you need to hang them on the wall, edge to edge, no frame, looks amazing it looks impossible because there's no there is no edge it just prints from edge to edge there is no frame they look great uh, at the smaller sizes they they come with everything you need to prop them up on your desk or your mantle wherever you would uh, put photos uh, it, it's just great it it's the best photo printing thing I've ever seen I've never seen anything that makes your photos look better than fracture uh, it's a great gift idea it's the best gift idea uh, it, that I know of uh, everybody in my family gets fractures for Christmas and Mother's Day and Father's Day and stuff like that. Um, where do you go to find out more? Go to their website, FractureMe.com slash podcast. That's the URL they use for all their podcast sponsorships. And then when you buy it, you will get 10% off your order just by, using that or just, just by using that URL. And then when you order, they will ask you a one-question poll, which is, where did you hear about us? And you just tell them the talk show. There you go. They have a sixty-day happiness guarantee as well. So if you buy, let's say you buy one of the big ones, it's expensive—not expensive, but you know, costs more. Big, big fracture. You don't like it within sixty days? They have a happiness guarantee. No questions asked. Just send it back. You get your money back. Uh, and guess what? Every single fracture is handmade in Gainesville, Florida, from U.S. sourced materials in a carbon neutral factory so you can feel good about it too when you're getting it done. It's made by happy people down in beautiful Gainesville. So my thanks to Fracture for sponsoring the show. Good friends of the show. All right, here's my next topic, Jim. You led right into it. Uh, I think that iOS is overdue for iPad-specific features. I heard there were rumors last year that there was slated for iOS 10 and was one of those things, like I mentioned earlier in the show that wasn't ready in time and therefore didn't make the cut. Uh, and I think, I, I think it's, I think it's overdue to be there this year. And I think it, I think it might be a big part of the WWDC
1: keynote. <laughs> so if, if we, we both agree that hardware wise, iPad makes sense, then they could really make a, a big splash by having software only yep. uh, features on iPad as well yeah because it, it you know to 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 state the
0: obvious there's an awful lot that the iPhone and iPad share and there's an awful lot of there's some benefits to the fact that they share an operating system and that you can have these universal apps that the same app you know, runs on your phone. It runs on iPad, and they share a lot of things, but there's one very obvious thing that's very different about the iPad than the iPhone, which is that it has a humongous screen compared to the iPhone, uh, and an awful lot of ways, a a, a in little ways, in like a hundred little paper cuts here and there. The fact that iOS started life as a phone OS, and the phone is still the the primary, you know a uh, product of the entire company. It, it makes the iPad suffer in a hundred little ways that if the iPad were the Apple's only product, or if the tables were turned and it was the iPad that sold 70 million units a quarter and the iPhone that sold nine, 10 million a quarter iOS would be way better on the iPad. Yeah. Uh, there's just no <laughs> doubt about it. Right. Yeah, absolutely. Did you read Federico Vitici's piece? Uh, Last week, it had like almost like a little book length. uh, Yeah, I know what he hoped to see in iOS 11, and uh, boy, I loved it. And and a lot of times, I don't like concept videos like that. Like, why why waste the time on that? Um, because most of the time when people make concept videos, they're so far out there that they're not. There's no way that you could actually build it today. Whereas everything Federico imagined is completely feasible. There's not one idea he has that is like pie in the sky. Well, yeah, that would be nice, but how the hell would that work? And an awful lot of his ideas revolve around multitasking, having two things on screen, multiple things on screen, and being able to do things that on the Mac you just take for granted. Like if you have a file on your desktop and you want to send it in a message, you just Click on it and drag it into the message. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm. I mean, I, I laugh, but I mean, it's things like that 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 keep me from really even feasibly even thinking of being a full time iPad user. Like it would just drive me nuts. Yeah, like when I, you can see the one thing right here, and you can't drag it to the other thing that you see at the same time on screen. It's, it feels broken.
1: Right. Yeah, I. No, I. I agree. I agree wholeheartedly. And, and I, I don't think that there's anybody in in our community that really uses the iPad like Federico does. No. That's the you thing. Know? I,
0: when I blinked to it I said like the, the best thing about it isn't any specific idea, but it's the genuine passion and love for the platform that pervades his writing about it. Yeah. Like, he sees a potential for the iPad that I, I personally don't. And and it's, you know, it, it's why I really enjoyed reading his piece where I was like, I think he's onto something here that, that this really could be a lot better for typical day-to-day productivity.
1: Well, and I, I think that's, you know, you touched on it at the beginning of this uh, segment that, you know, iOS would be different and better on the iPad if, it, if that's what it was made for. But, you know, having iPhone be the, the main thing, it makes it a, a lot more difficult. Yeah. And so I, I,
0: it, it, there is a, there's a too many chefs spoil the stew aspect that, you know, you can't just throw engineers at a problem and money at a problem and get it done faster. I mean, it's the famous, um, um, you know, uh, uh, programming adage that, that uh, you, 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 if you... Throw more engineers at an overdue programming project; it actually makes it even later because you waste more time in the collaboration between the programmers than you get. You know, it, it's it's not like painting a house where you can have more painters get the job done faster, right? Um, but it, 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 Apple is. A, I don't know if you've heard this, Jim, but Apple is a financially successful company. Huh. Uh, and it's, you know, I, I, I think expecting the iPad to advance at a fast rate is not unreasonable for a company with, with their resources. And it, uh, given what they say about the iPad, you know, and that they say that this is the future of personal computing and stuff like that, I think that they, they need to put their money where their mouth is and and make it
1: happen. I think part of the problem with the iPad, though, is that from from a consumer's perspective, um, I think the consumer, when they heard about tablets, expected it to do more quicker than what it actually does. You know, Apple's very clear in, in this is a touch interface and we're not going to do, you know, a mouse on screen. There's a Mac for that. But I don't think as much as there's people in the 50 plus age group and the 20 and under age group that. You know, from kids to to older people that love the iPad, it's the, that group in between that can't really get their head around how to use it. Yeah, uh, as a full time thing. So maybe Apple's actually waiting to see you know where this whole thing goes. I mean, yeah, they're selling millions. They're selling a lot less than what they used to, but. I just I think people are having a difficult time wrapping their head around it.
0: Uh, the book that I was thinking of is Frederick Brooks' Fred Brooks' famous book, "The Mythical Man Month," where the central theme of the book is that adding manpower to a late software project makes it later. So, if, before anybody sends a correction to me or says that's what you're thinking of, that was the book. Uh,
1: anyway, I think you're you, right. You right. already I, you already got a hundred emails about that. <laughs> 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 uh, I put
0: it in the show notes. Uh, I did. I swear to God, there it is. You can see it. Uh, I think here's a little thing that I think is weird about the iPad, and doesn't really make sense to me. It, it if I am using a Mac, and let's say I've got a Safari window, and I've got a BBEdit window, and I'm writing in BBEdit, and I'm taking notes from the Safari thing, and I can put the Safari window on the left, and the BBEdit window on the right, and I can see them both side by side. Uh, I can tell instantly which one currently has the focus because it looks different. It's, you know, if I use the default colors, it's got the red, yellow, green buttons instead of the desaturated buttons. On the iPad, when you're multitasking, you can't really tell which one has focus, And that bothers me. And then the other thing is I don't really like the way that the iPad multitasking gives favored status to the left side. Like the left is the real app and the right, even if you have it split 50-50, is still sort of like a secondary app in some ways. Whereas on the Mac, I could put the Safari window on the left and the BBEdit window on the right. And if I change my mind, I could put BBEdit on the left and Safari on the right. And it doesn't make any difference. I don't understand why there's this, you can't just treat both sides of split screen on the iPad the same. Like it just seems to me like a, a UI concept that hasn't been thought through thoroughly.
1: Or hasn't been implemented.
0: Yeah. And so I, I would re- really love to see them take this idea of doing two apps or three apps or maybe four apps on the 12.9 inch iPad at the same time Um it, Like wouldn't it be interesting if you could have four apps all running in narrow columns side by side on the iPad Pro? I could think of context where that would be useful.
1: You have to think with everything that Apple tests and everything that they do that I mean they must have thought about this stuff. I would think so. But for example, just
0: think like if you're doing a keynote. If you're in a keynote and you're taking you're taking notes and you're tweeting and let's say you know you're part of like a, a bigger news organization where there's like a team and you've got like an internal slack. Wouldn't you want to see all three of those things on screen at once? Yeah, you would. Right. It's, you know, uh, I, I, you know, Apple's thought about it. The question is, have they taken the time and put a team together to actually make, make something truly thoroughly thoughtful and ready to go. I would love to see it this year at WWDC. And I think, uh, you know, it just seems like something that could be, could be on the table. And I think it would get a great response. Yeah. Yeah. So do I. Uh, all right. So iPad. I think iPad will be a big software and hardware, big part of WWDC. Okay. How about rumors that they're working on a Siri speak, standalone Siri speaker device? You know, uh, uh, like do, a, do, do you like use a, one of those? Um, we do. I, we have the uh, Amazon echo. Okay. And we use it, we play music and we don't really do much else, but we're, 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 but, but we're looking at, uh, getting like some, you know, smart home stuff. We don't have any smart home stuff. Our house is very dumb. Yeah. Uh, And getting like some lights that are set up so that you can just, uh, turn all the lights on and off at a time, get window shades that you can raise and lower, you know, and stuff like that. Uh, and if unless apple comes out with something like that we we'll, we will hook them up to our amazon thing because the amazon thing works pretty well for controlling those things supposedly i can't va- verify it cuz i don't have anything like that in the house yet but but we will and there's a I, rumor I, it's not just people wishing for it there are rumors that apple
1: is working on something like that right right but uh, isn't siri going to have to get a lot smarter
0: I think all of these things need to get a lot smarter. I, I think they're all dumb in different ways. And that right. people, this is my central premise. I'm not, I, I don't defend Siri as being light years ahead of any of these competitors. I do think Siri is ahead of Google's and Amazon's in certain ways and i think google's is ahead i think all three of them have their pluses and minuses and depending on what you want out of it one of them might make you happy and then you think the other ones are garbage because they don't do the things you know i totally get it i can see that amazon's thing does things that siri can't and works in certain ways that siri doesn't and if that's all you want to do uh, it, it you know it makes you very happy as an Echo user, but I, that doesn't mean that Siri is garbage, you know. But uh, Siri would obviously have to be much improved for a standalone family device than it is right now. Yeah, I mean, yeah, there's, little, there's so many things. All these things have to improve for a family device. It has to be able to recognize voices. And I know, I know how tricky that can be. Like, for example, I, uh, apparently I don't hear it, but when I became a teenager, when I hit puberty, um, uh, when I answered the phone and the phone call was for my dad, uh, every single time they would just start talking to me like I was Bob Gruber. It, it was so weird, like, cause as a kid, you know, like my dad had like a, a long commute to work every day. And so a lot of times, and, and so he'd carpool with some of his colleagues. And so a lot of times before, and my dad worked third shift. So like he, he would leave, uh, he would leave for work around like nine o'clock at night. Um, so a lot of times, you know, like between like, uh, you know, like seven and eight or something like that. My dad might be taking a nap after dinner before he gets ready for work and the phone rings and it's somebody, you know, one of his the guys, regular guys who he, he rides to work with, With you know, maybe he's going to be 10 minutes late or something. Uh, and if I answered the phone, they'd say, Bob, hey, and, and they start talking to me, right? And so if a human being thought that me as a teenager sounded like my dad, it's going to be a tough programming problem to get a, a, a standalone device that can tell Two, two siblings, a brother two brothers who are two years apart who kind of sound the same because genetically they're brothers yeah. you know or a father and a son or something like that. I understand that it's a, probably a hard pro- problem but guess what in real life you can tell people's voices apart right and and that's you know it, these devices have to be as smart as people in that in that device in that regard.
1: I I agree with you. I I think a lot of the the problem, and as you mentioned, is what you want to be able to do. And at this point, I try and have everything so dumbed down because I've run into so many problems with these assistants. I, I try and ask the simplest of questions. And otherwise, I'll just go Google. You know, yeah. because it's- I, I mean, even, even just, I think it was last weekend or the weekend before I asked, uh, Siri, what time the hockey game was on the NHL playoffs and Siri came up and gave me a game that was coming up on Monday. And I said, well, <laughs> I, I, I guess there is no game on today. I thought there was. So I turned on the the TV there's a <laughs> hockey game on, you know, it's coming up. The, right. and, and then that the, instantly
0: burns your trust,
1: right? And now you feel like you can't. Right. Instantly. And and I'm thinking at that point, and I tried it again, you know, what time is the hockey game on today? Um, and Siri gave me the, the hockey game on Monday again. And, and, you know, I'm thinking, well, is there somebody at Apple sitting there typing stuff into Siri, as, uh, but they don't work on the weekends? <laughs> You know,
0: it is weird. It's it's weird when you, you you get the right answer so many times in a row. I I got a bunch of them during the NCAA tournament where I, I was really you know my favorite team is North Carolina and they they ended up winning the championship. So there but there were a lot of games to watch them because they kept winning, and I was asking you know when's the next North Carolina game and I kept I got the right answer most times but then one time I got the wrong answer and I think it was the same thing you might have run into where the game had already started, you know yeah. and it a, a, a human assistant if I had a human butler in my house who could answer my questions because I'm Bruce Wayne or whatever, you know, and I have Alfred, uh, uh, it, it, Alfred, if Alfred knew the game was on right now, he would say, Oh, you're, you're missing it. And you know, North. It's there's uh two minutes. The first quarter, first half started uh, three minutes ago and North Carolina is up six to four.
1: Yeah. And it's on, cha- and it's on channel, uh, eight Oh three. If you ask about basketball, that's what it'll say. Right. You know, it'll say, "Oh, a Golden State's winning six to four. It's you know two minutes into the right. fourth uh, first quarter or something. Right. So I, I just I don't. That's what burns me about these assistants. They're, they're so
0: early days. They're so primitive. It's it's literally like the like the Apple One, you know, where you 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 know you programmed it. You had to like turned it on, and all you could do is like write your own programs. Right. Uh, It it, that's where all of these devices are. Google's, Amazon's, Siri on your devices, but they got to be so much smarter. If I've got a thing in my kitchen, it it should be trivial. It's got to work where if I say what's on my calendar today, uh, I get my calendar. And if my wife says what's on my calendar today, she gets her calendar. Right. And it doesn't work like that. There's a way to hook up like a second thing to Amazon, but you have to like, it doesn't just work by both of us saying it you have to say uh, like like you have to tell uh, like hey dingus switch the account from john to amy and then it's using a different account or something like that it doesn't just work in the way that it should which is you just talk to it and it knows who's talking to you right i mean and the but- other thing that would make these things smarter and help identify voices would be if they combined it with a camera And not have separate devices like Amazon's coming out with where there's a separate one with a camera and there's a thing with a speaker and stuff like that. But if it has a camera, it it would help. Like if the software has trouble telling the voices of me and my dad apart, the camera should help clarify it because I don't look anything like my dad.
1: And uh, wasn't there a story a little while ago that Schiller said that these types of devices needed a screen? I th- I think he did yes. So, so, you you know the next one or an Apple one would have a screen. Yeah,
0: Amazon I came out with the one with the screen yeah. the other week, and I showed it to. And we have the Amazon Echo in our kitchen, and it it's subtle enough and tuck awayable enough in a corner that it flew. But I showed that to Amy, and I was like.
1: Would you Would you let me put one of these in the kitchen? And she said no. <laughs> <laughs> well, maybe she was just testing you. You should go get it, put it in there, and see how she reacts in. I don't know. It's not an attractive device. I wouldn't call it
0: ugly per se, but it, it looks like a sort of 80s Buck Rogers sort of aesthetic. <laughs> it, it does not look like a very elegant device like if apple came out with a device that looked like that i would i would honestly people would leave the keynote and be like you know sell the stock short the stock you know (laughs) something's gone wrong i mean it i i really Uh, do mean it and i kind of feel like people grade amazon on a curve yes they do they're not known for their design but the truth is they're competing in the same you know they're competing against Apple, so why shouldn't they be judged by this? When Apple has raised the bar for how devices should look, why in the world should a company making competing devices not be graded on the same scale?
1: Well, I agree with you, but why shouldn't Amazon be graded on on not making any money either? You know, well, it,
0: that's a separate discussion. I mean, yeah, it,
1: I, it's you know, they,
0: I, I, I'm amenable to the agreement that they could make money if they wanted to, and since investors aren't asking them to, why not just not make any money? well it's a lot i I think that's a separate issue it is it is a separate issue so i you think think uh, apple is going to have one at
1: WWDC? well that that's what i was just i was going to ask you that i don't know i i don't think so i don't think so here's what i think i it i think it's so exciting because it, it the only
0: thing people seem to know is apple might have something in this category I think if Apple does, it is very, very likely that it is conceptually different than the Echo and the Google one. The Echo and the Google one, to me, are the exact same concept. They do look different. Google's is more like a vase, but there are speakers that listen and do things and can be hooked up. And I think if Apple comes out with one, it's going to be different conceptually. Like, maybe it's less about being a thing that you talk to, and it really is just a speaker system so that you can play airplay music to it well that, that's kind of boring it is kind of boring but it might be it, it might be more what it might fulfill a different need and if it is a sort of intelligent assistant type thing it might be
1: it might be very different i would like something different conceptually but i i don't know what that is you know i i just want it to work you know i've said before i've tried to add uh, reminders and appointments and things like that in with siri and it's it just you know it could work but then again maybe not and you know i think that we've
0: all collectively uh sort of given up on apple's Wi-Fi hardware. Yeah, I mean, and part of it is because it's been a long time since they've updated it. Part of it is that there are a lot of competing products that have come out with with newer, you know, newer stuff. You know, like the mesh networks that Eros do and stuff like that. Yeah. Um, uh, it, but going back two three years, there's been speculation ever since Apple has started the the HomeKit stuff that hey wouldn't doesn't this home kit stuff sort of seem like it needs a uh, a hub you know like in the you know and apple has often used that hub metaphor that you know the digit you know that the mac is your digital hub back in 2001 yep. and it's it's the thing that you plug your digital camera into you plug your iPod into and it's your digital hub and and if you have a video camera that shoots digital video what do you do with it? You plug it into your Mac. Okay. Then, uh, famously, I think it might've been his last keynote, Steve jobs, uh, announcing iCloud said, this is the new hub of your personal life. The hub is going to be iCloud and the truth is in the cloud. And so, you know, your documents are in iCloud and then they show up as satellites to your Mac is now just a satellite device, like your phone and your iPad or your Apple TV. Uh, for the home kit though, I, I I think that there is a need for a hub. And and it makes sense that it wouldn't be in the cloud, that it would could be a device that's in your home, because your home is is a thing that doesn't go places, right? So what is it gonna control? Uh I don't know. Everything. Everything that's smart in your house, right? And it, you know, but that it's you know, it, 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 and this idea isn't new, but we've you do, people don't talk about it anymore. But what if it also was your Wi-Fi base station? You know, and that you know Mark Erman's report that they're out of the business of making uh, stuff is just you know it, wrong. <laughs> you know, and that they've been hard at work on a new uh, hub-like thing that instead of just distributing Wi-Fi through your house is is there for all sorts of other things as well speaker it could play music it can control your your smart lights and your window shades and and stuff like that
1: all by talking to it right Right. or
0: connecting to iCloud would let you give you a secure way to do it remotely from your phone I mean, and there are ways, you know, I know that there's back to your Mac and there's other ways that when you're out and, you know, like uh, if you've got the Nest thermostats, you can use the Nest app to adjust the temperature in your house when you're outside the house using the app. I'm not saying that there aren't already ways that these smart house devices can be controlled externally, but something that... You know, I, I don't know enough about it, you know what I mean, and, and the details. But I, it, you know that Apple's interested in home because they have HomeKit and they talk about it and they they, right. they are working on it. But it seems to me like a centralized device that – um, or, you know, maybe not centralized. Maybe it's something that you would buy two or three of the same thing and put them in different rooms. But something that could tie into that seems to have potential. And maybe, you know, if you have two or three of them, maybe they do work like Eros and distribute a mesh network of Wi-Fi Like, Wi-Fi is not a solved problem. Good Wi-Fi in the house is not a solved problem. And it is better than it used to be, but it still could be a lot better. So, you know, I wouldn't be surprised. There's a need. Like, that's the thing, is it seems like something Apple could do. It is something along the lines of what they've done in the past, and they're overdue
1: for a product in this space. So I have faith, and maybe uh, it's, it's misplaced, but I don't think so. I have faith that if Apple is going to do something in this space, it's going to do it in a way that is different. And that's what I was saying earlier. I'm ready for conceptually a change, but I don't know what that is. But Apple does. Right. You know, this is something that I want them to not just do the same thing that Google is or that Amazon is, but all of a sudden Apple… Unveils this this system, and you can do all of these different things with it just by talking to it, and it works every time you ask it to do something. You know, that's that's I, I would love that. I I'd be right out there getting one of those. Yeah, uh, I me too. Uh, so I follow that under maybe, and
0: I just think. I do think too. I think based on their hiring. I think based on what we know that they've they've opened up their policies in regards to um, AI researchers uh, who work at Apple being allowed to share and publish their stuff in in uh, professional journals, um, which was apparently a real recruiting problem for Apple. That that the, these you know the top uh, men and women in the artificial intelligence research. For their careers, they need to publish on a regular basis in these publications. And that, career wise, going to Apple, if you're not allowed to publish your stuff, it, in some ways, you can't, you know, obviously, there's some kind of dollar amount that you could offer somebody that they're going to say, okay, I'll do it, even if I hate that I can't publish my results. But, um, it, you know, just by competing at a salary for salary level with other companies like Google and Amazon and all of these companies, Facebook, that are doing, putting significant money in AI research, if you're competing dollar for dollar with these other companies and the other companies let you publish your research and Apple doesn't, it was keeping keeping the talent from going to Apple. And so we know, you know, that Apple researchers have started publishing and that they've opened up their policies. Um, it, Something's got to come out of that. Like Apple hasn't really had much along the lines of AI. That's a big leap forward since Siri came out.
1: No, but it's going to be more than just
0: Siri. Yeah. I, I totally agree I, but I think in uh, it, you said it just works you just want something that just works that's right I mean that's what drew all, all of us who are fans of Apple or follow Apple closely it the, the it just works factor is it, it's, it's top of the list whatever your interests are whether you're a graphic designer or a writer or you know it, it, even like if it you know, whatever, whatever you do on your Apple stuff, you know, the, it just works factor is huge. It's the
1: the definition of Apple and it's just not there on the AI front. Right. But, you know, you said earlier that this, this whole thing, this whole industry is new, you know, so nobody has it right yet, but I, I will say Amazon made some very smart moves at CES, you know, by, by making Alexa, uh, basically available as, as, you know, the, the AI. Yeah. Sort of like the Android of phones. Yeah. Yeah. That was brilliant. It was yep. a brilliant move. They gave it to like uh fridge companies and yep. all kinds of people. Yeah. Great move on there. They're part.
0: not in it to sell the hardware, really. They're in it to keep people in the Amazon ecosystem. Yes. You know, subscribing to prime and Hey, we're out of paper towels. Just tell your Amazon dingus to send some paper towels.
1: Yeah, and, and let's make no mistake, Amazon does have a great brand. You know, mm-hmm. so people know that they can go to Amazon and buy stuff and it's going to be delivered and it's, you know, it's going to work except for that whole thing where they allow all the knockoffs, you know, that yeah. kind of yeah. upsets me. But otherwise, I, I think that, you know, they they have a great brand. They do yeah. a good thing. Uh,
0: all right. Let me take
1: a final break here
0: and thank our third and final sponsor of the show. It's our good friends at MailRoute. I love this company. You know who should handle your email security and delivery? People who only do that, people who specialize in the email. That's MailRoute. Even big companies are bowing out of the email protection business, meaning your email's coming in. How do you filter out the spam and the junk and the stuff with uh, scammy links and attachments and stuff like that? Postini went away. Now McAfee and MXLogic have gotten out of the business. Uh, uh, even Google came out and said that they want you to use a gateway service like MailRoute so that they don't have to be the front line filtering your Google Apps mail. You can trust MailRoute. They've been around the, the staff, the team, their team has been together and focused on email security and only on email security since 1997. If you think about it. Email is crazy. Like every other service on the internet, like Twitter, like there's spam and there's 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 abuse on Twitter and stuff like that. But there, at least everybody on Twitter has a Twitter account, and Twitter is a centralized service. That if there's an account that's making trouble, uh, they can just close the account. Like email, is just you have an email address. Anybody else who has a, a an email server can send email to that address, and the email server accepts it. Like. It's, it's a crazy protocol that is based on the trust of the early days of the internet, where there is no identity system. It's crazy how much junk comes to every email address you have. MailRoute makes all of that go away, and it's all they do. What you do is you keep your existing mail server. It could be Google Apps. could be FastMail. Mail, could be... Uh, a dream host could be your company's email on, on an exchange server. What you do is you change your MX records for your your company or your personal domain name. Just go to mailroute first and mailroute doesn't host your email. All they do is filter the spam and viruses and junk. So your mail, your MX record sends it to MailRoute first. It's just a thin filter conceptually. And then MailRoute f- sends it on to your existing mail server. So you keep your mail server. You don't even change your clients. Your email client on your phone and your 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 device doesn't know anything's changed. It's just the outside world. The mail goes to mail route first, then to your server. That's it. And they have all the features you would want. You can sign up if you want and get a weekly report on on like, uh, here's the iffy emails that we were like maybe on. We thought maybe this was junk. You want to double check. You want to eyeball this list of emails to make sure that nothing got flagged that shouldn't get flagged. Uh, it's got a programmatic API. So if you, it's like in a professional context, if you work in IT and you need to customize this in certain ways, you can write your own scripts and programs that, that talk to MailRoute, anything you want to do. I mean, this is a whole company that does this one thing and that's it, MailRoute. Really, it's, it's a fantastic service. I can't recommend it highly enough at a personal level. Uh, stop spam today with a 30-day free trial. Just go to mailroute.net slash t ts. mailroute.net/tts to get started you get 30 days free and if you use that url/tts you get 10% off for the lifetime of your account. So if you use them for 20 years you save 10% every single bill from now until the year 2037. That's a, it's just a tr- you know tremendous amount of money. You can buy me a beer for the money I saved you <laughs> of, when we meet someday. My thanks to Mailroute. I'm going to have to give them a look. All right, Jim, back to the show. What else do we got that we might be on for WWDC? We got. We didn't talk Mac. <clears throat> well, there's rumors of Macs. There's rumors of updated Mac laptops already, yeah. which would be pretty, for MacBook Pro, would be pretty fast for a nine-month update. Yeah. So I'm not sure i buy that. Uh, but on the other hand, if they really do have new Intel chipsets that are ready to go, maybe, you know...
1: Maybe it's just going to be one of these quick ones where, right. oh yeah, by the way, today we're doing this, or just a press release. Hmm. I, I, well, I, I, on the keynote, I'm sure they'd mention it, but I think
0: I don't think it would be a big part of the presentation because even if they have updated MacBook Pros, I don't really think there'd be anything to, to show off about them. It's just, yeah. oh, they're faster, and maybe, maybe it, I don't know if about the Intel stuff, but it, maybe there's a way to configure them with 32 gigabytes of RAM. I don't know. Uh, I think more likely would be an update to the just plain MacBook because that one is now over a year old and has not been updated. I love that computer I uh, really do i i and it needs an update because it's the one and only thing that I think is wrong with the device is that it is kind of slow and so it's it's by using those Intel mobile m chipsets it lets it run without a fan it lets it be super super thin uh But dollar for or or benchmark for benchmark, it's actually slower than an iPad Pro. Uh, So it could use you know that's a device that really could use the latest and greatest from Intel performance wise.
1: Okay, I don't I don't disagree with with that at all. But I would say that anybody that uses one of the MacBooks isn't really in it for speed. They're in it for. you know right um, it's, it's not so slow that i would have said a year
0: ago don't buy it i right. i but but i would say now in 2017 yeah if, i think it's due for an upgrade i think it's the type of device that should be on a once a, a year update schedule yeah yeah i i don't disagree with for that for the but, foreseeable but, future you know there's you know, a point down the road to five six years from now where the these the chipsets like the intel m M-M series will be fast enough that you you wouldn't need a once a year update for these devices.
1: Yeah. But you know, if I pull out my my uh, MacBook, I'm not going to be recording music on it. I'm going to be doing email and web browsing and yeah. stuff like that. You know, uh, so I would not be surprised to see a new updated
0: MacBook just because it's been over a year. The rumor that there's already new MacBook Pros, I don't. I, I find that uh, hard to believe. <laughs> yeah, I mean it's possible. I wouldn't be shocked, but
1: I would be a little surprised. Uh, but then, but then, when would be the next time that they would release? um a MacBook Pro they wouldn't be at the iPhone event no i think it would be like last year it'd be in october <laughs> but i don't think that they would do an event for this no probably not if i i, I can't see it cuz
0: you know like the event was because the touch bar was all new right. and you know it, it if it's just faster and just has more ram that's that's not an event right uh all right wildcard what if they totally sandbagged us uh, in March with that uh, Future of the Mac roundtable and they have new Mac Pros ready to announce? Believe it or not? Mm, boy, I don't think so. I don't think so either. I don't think... I, I, my sense, uh, having actually been in that discussion, was that there was no way they were sandbagging. I wouldn't be surprised if they surprise us and come out with them at the end of the year, like October, Right, and they would have an event for that. That would not surprise me if, if they sort of laid into the, you know, we didn't say later this year, you know, implying that it would take a, a full year from when they 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 made the announcement. I wouldn't be surprised if they under oh, under promise and over deliver on that. But to me, I think June is too soon. I really I, do I, think I, that do th- too. I think the, they hit the reset button on this too too recently to be ready.
1: Now. I, uh, what I took out of that, that meeting was that they were being very genuine in what they were saying. Yes. So I I don't think that they in any way were trying to be tricky. I don't think so either. So I, that's why I would say no to, to Mac pros.
0: Yeah. And the other thing too, is if they thought that they could possibly announce them at WWDC, then I don't think they would have held that meeting at all. They would have just waited, you know, agreed. Take the ar- take the arrows for another three months of the complaints about how old the Mac Pro is and their silence on the Mac Pro and then make the announcement at June. I think that's the biggest evidence that they're not going to say anything about it at June. Yeah. I uh, agree.
1: But like you said, October, November, yeah, that's wide open. Yeah. What about
0: new iMacs? The iMac is now a little bit, the 5K iMac is a little bit old. It's over a year old. Oh, a year and a half old?
1: Well... <clears throat> Honestly, I think that depends a lot on uh, the MacBook Pro, because I think that they could have an event if they did something significant with the iMac and a Mac Pro and a MacBook Pro. In the fall. In the fall. Yeah. So I, I think it, it. nobody's really complaining about the iMac it's one of those
0: i mean yes, it's you know there's Intel chips that have come out since that would make it faster but
2: right
0: it you know it you know I've got the first five k imac and uh, which is you know an even a year or older uh and it's you know for what I do and you know i mean i i push my computer a little harder than most people it's it's you know it's still the it seems brilliantly fast to me so i don't know well, i'm do you using think? A- you think there's any chance they have iMacs at WWDC?
1: I don't think so. Seems- I, I, I would. I, I don't think. I think that the most um, reasonable Mac that they could have is probably the MacBook. Yep. And then, depending on when they plan on releasing the new Mac Pro, they could do a nice event with Mac Pro, MacBook Pro, and iMac in the fall. Yeah, I, 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 I agree. That's what I would
0: guess. All right. What about Mac OS? Uh, I guess it'll be Mm. 10.13. I I have no, there's no rumors. I have, you know, I I expect that they will announce it. I expect there is such a thing. What is in it? I have no idea. No. I think half, half of me sort of hopes that they have something cool to announce for the Mac new, just as further evidence of the their, their narrative, which is we still care as deeply about the Mac as ever, which is contrary to a lot of people you know fears, but the other half of me kind of hopes that mac OS ten point thirteen is a really boring release marketing wise and that it's really just focused on uh, reliability and cleaning up you know the stuff that's already there to make it go from ninety nine percent reliable to one hundred percent reliable
1: well. I remember years ago when they did remember when they started doing the um, ch- stop changing the cat and doing it in between like that yep. panther yep. or leopard and then snow leopard and and the snow leopard one was always yep. a, a cleanup and lion and lion and mountain lion. Yeah, I, the, 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 those releases were always so good because they would clean everything up and it would go so fast you know you would love yeah. reliability for me for for mac os uh is, isn't even a question it's very reliable for me uh, i sh- I, sh- I should say
0: that too i mean i told you right before we we started I, res- I right before we started recording i reset uh restarted my macbook and it it's i i typed uptime into terminal before i did and it was up for like 48 days yeah <laughs> So I'm not saying that my Macs are not reliable. I mean that's, you know, 48 days without rebooting my MacBook Pro, which I've been living on lately. Uh, you know, it's pretty reliable. I'm just saying no, that there still are there's a lot of little things that uh, you know. I agree. You know, I, agree. But, you know, I remember with Snow <coughs> Leopard, I think it was Snow Leopard was the one where I think it, I I know the number it was 10.6 where it went from 10.5 to 10.6 and the the OS actually got smaller. Like they yeah. cleaned up so much and tightened so much that when you upgraded your to the new OS, you actually had more free hard drive space available. <laughs> <laughs> like, that's the sort of update I would like to see them do with the Mac. And just you know, make these and 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 the new stuff would just be like any other new integrations, like where something is on your iPhone and you can have the same thing on your Mac. You know those continuity type features. You know, I'm sure there will be new features, but I just think that instead of making it like a wow, this is an amazingly new Mac experience, I think it should be make you feel like you're right at home, like you are in Sierra today. It's just better.
1: What about uh, things like iTunes? Do you think they're ready to unveil a new? Oh boy, that would be a surprise, wouldn't it? Wouldn't it? I I would love it. I I think it's overdue. I I mean,
0: I would really like to see them bust iTunes out into a bunch of separate apps.
1: Yeah, yeah. I would I like think to that. see
0: iTunes be all about the app named iTunes would be all about music. I'd like to, they should. I think they should even have a separate podcast app for the Mac. Uh, I think Apple TV should be its own app on a, on on the Mac where that's where you go. If you want to watch TV and movies, Uh, you know, in the same way that they thankfully didn't put iBooks into iTunes. Right. I mean, I would laugh because it seems silly, but that's what they've done with everything else. Right. Everything. Yeah. It it makes no more sense to read a book in iTunes than it does to watch a movie in iTunes. But that's what you do. If you're watching a movie on your Mac, I, I, I would love to see them clean that up. I don't know if they're ever going to. I, I've always thought the thing that's holding them back the most is the fact that they need to have a Windows version of iTunes for people to sync.
1: Literally, it's still, I mean, they still sell iPods, you know. Uh, yeah, but I, I mean, they don't necessarily need a Windows version to start off. Uh, I say just let Windows keep their monolithic piece of crap iTunes and uh, you know make it make it nice on the Mac. Yeah, and, and separate them. You know, I th- I think what's holding them back is the fact that iTunes is the the gateway to all the money.
0: I don't know if it is anymore though. Really, I mean, and why couldn't you just buy? If why wouldn't you just be able to buy your iTunes movies in the new TV app for Apple? I mean, for well, Mac. I, yeah, I don't but, think it would decrease the money at all.
1: In, in, no, no, any- no, I I just mean that like. I think that that whole system is so old, <laughs> mm. you know, everything to do with it is old. Yeah. But it, it, on it, it's probably still running on web objects for God's sake. It is. Well, the URLs certainly
0: look like they are, but, but on, it hasn't stopped iOS from having a nice array of distinct, discrete apps that do smaller amounts of, you know, very specific things. Yeah, you're right. Uh, it hasn't stopped them from
1: doing it well on iOS i I would love to see that, I think the chances are very low, but I would love to see it, yeah, I think it's possible but
0: uh what else might they announce apple t v anything apple t v related to w w d c
1: maybe some some software, but I don't expect anything huge yeah and it's, I really don't it, it, huge to me would be if they
0: if they untie the knot that is their their answer to these t v bundles yeah. you know uh, and I don't think that that's going to happen at WWDC because that's the one thing that leaks these media companies leak like sieves, yeah. you know, like Eddie, Eddie Q goes in and meets with HBO and five minutes later, there's a story in Variety about Eddie Q's meeting with HBO. I mean, guess what? He, he doesn't even get back to the car and it's already leaked. Right. And it already says what type of sandals he showed up to the meeting in. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh and so the fact that there don't seem to be any leaks of an imminent uh, you know to pay $20 a month or add add an extra $10 a month to your Apple Music subscription and you get TV too like I, that's where I feel like they're going to go I feel like they're going to sort of sort of make the same naming mistake they made before which is that they named the thing iTunes and the iTunes music store. And then all of a sudden they were selling TV shows and movies and apps from the iTunes music store. I think the same thing might happen with Apple music where Apple music is the thing where you pay Apple 10 bucks a month or maybe 20 bucks a month as an option. And you get Apple media. It's at a, at right. all you, you know, like Netflix and Hulu and, and those things. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if they just call it Apple music. Uh, but it includes – because there are already these TV shows that Apple is producing, the handful of TV shows, that is the, the Planet of the Apps and the Carpool Karaoke, yeah. they're going to be given – the way you watch them is you have to have an Apple Music subscription. So I wouldn't be surprised if that's what it is. But what, what I'm talking about is something like PlayStation View. where you pay, you pay Sony $20 a month or something like that, or $30 a month. And you get like 40 cable TV channels that you can watch whenever you want. It's, it's a tremendous deal. It really is. And have you done it? Uh, no, but I seriously thought about it. Uh, but I, the main reason we don't is that, uh, we have a TiVo, a, a nice TiVo. And I, I love the TiVo interface. Uh, and my wife she loves it even more and is super, super comfortable and familiar with it. And the one thing that is so great about TiVo, and I feel like people who don't have it maybe don't understand it because they're like, well, I get a DVR from my cable provider or my PlayStation works as a, as a DVR. The The amazing thing about TiVo, do you have, do you have a minute for an aside, Jim? Yeah. Is I first saw TiVo in the year, 2000 I think it might have been 1999 but it was 2000 at Rich Siegel's house this is when I was uh, I was either when I was interviewing to go work for him at barebone software or right after I took the job and Amy and I moved up there and, and Rich invited us down to to his house um And I I even remember what we were watching. It was, uh, this is around 2000. So this is when the Yankees were on that run with Derek Jeter. See, it it all comes full circle. And he invited us down, even though uh, Rich is a, a diehard Red Sox fan, as any New Englander should be. Uh, he invited my wife and I to his house to watch the Yankees. And he had a TiVo and it blew, I'd heard of it, I had heard of TiVo. Uh, and it sounded good. Oh, you can pause live, live TV and you can fast forward commercials and, and whatever. But seeing it in action, was just it was like seeing the Mac for the first time. And, and we, Amy and I went out and bought a TiVo the next day. I mean, it was, it was that type of thing. Uh, but the amazing thing about TiVo uh, and the, the way the industry has gone is what TiVo was, is it was a computer running Linux that took your TV signals and wrote them to digital files and, on hard disk and then presented an interface on screen. And so it was a, it computerized an analog thing. You took an analog cable TV signal, computerized it, and you have your computer there. And then with that computer, you can fast forward commercials and you can pause the show anywhere you want. And it, it, it's a fast enough interface. Like n- Navigating the which show do you want to watch or how do you set up a, a s- subscription on TiVo is notoriously slow. They kind of have a bad system user interface. Yeah. But the actual video playback interface is the best I've ever seen still to this day in terms of when you fast forward, you, there's never any buffering at all, ever. And this goes back to the year 2000. And let alone today with the you know newer TiVo hardware, um, and so computerizing TV let you skip commercials. Uh, and the thing that to me is so ironic about computerization of TV today and everybody watching through PlayStations or Apple TVs or AirPlay over your phone or whatever uh, is that what they've largely done is made it so you can't skip the commercials. By computerizing it. Like you go and you watch a show on HBO Go. there's uh, Actually, I think HBO lets you fast forward them. But there are some of the ones where they show you that it's often a commercial for another show on the same service. But you can't skip it. And when you watch on Hulu and they have regular commercial commercials. Like you're watching a show on Hulu and there's like a bounty paper towels commercial. You hit fast forward and it goes bonk, bonk, bonk. And you you're stuck watching that 30 second spot. YouTube has unskippable commercials, right? Or yep. or you have ten, you have to watch at least 10 seconds of this before you can skip. Yep. TiVo, let's never ever 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 has an unskippable ad. It is your fast forward button always works. Even and it, on demand. Uh, I don't know. I don't watch on demand on TiVo. Okay. Uh, maybe not. But maybe if you can if they write it to disk, I don't know.
1: Uh, yeah, they are very good. TiVo was always one of those companies that I was always surprised that they weren't more successful.
0: I was too. I still am. And I feel like it's sort of a product marketing that they just never really had to go to market. And Steve Jobs has explained this, that it's 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 a hard sell when people are already paying $100 a month to their cable company. And the cable company with that gives you a quote unquote free box that puts the TV on your TV, the shows on your TV, it's a really hard sell to tell them to spend an extra 300 bucks on a better box. Yep. Uh, but boy, we really like TiVo and that's really the, the, if it wasn't for TiVo, if our TiVo broke and we couldn't buy a new TiVo, I, I would almost, we would almost certainly switch to PlayStation view. Really? I think so. Hmm. And at least in Philadelphia, PlayStation View, and I know that this is one of those weird things that varies by city, it gets all the major ABC, NBC, CBS type things. There's, I, know, I think I have friends in Boston who it's like they don't get, if you have PlayStation View, you don't get ABC or something like yes, that. Yes,
1: that's right, yeah.
0: Um, but boy, I, I, TiVo it keeps us on cable. And it's funny because it, the... Comcast here, it's like they hate supporting TiVo. They, they kind of give you the stink eye when you call them up and you want, you got to get these special cable cards. Uh, but they shouldn't because I'll tell you what, TiVo is the one and only thing keeping us on Comcast cable because it's ah. such a great experience and that you never, ever, ever, every time I have an unskippable commercial on any other thing, it makes me f- furiously angry because the computerization of TV should give me the p- ability to do it, right? It's Yeah, yeah. but it won't. Right, the whole reason you couldn't skip commercials before DVRs was that you couldn't time travel,
2: <laughs> right? right? Yeah.
0: The TV yeah. was on. You know, the Cosby Show came on at eight o'clock, and the commercial came on at eight oh seven, and yeah. there was no way to get back to the Cosby <laughs> Show at, and other than to wait through the commercials. Yeah, I remember those days. Yeah. So anyway, that's what keeps me on. Uh, what were we talking about? WWDC.
1: WWDC. anything else that
0: we expect apple tv is a maybe but i it Mm -hmm. seems like content would be that's where we were it was content would be the thing to announce and it doesn't seem like there's any leaks about content no um
1: i do expect that there'll be some apple music uh updates yes i do too it's too it's too important to them not to
0: have updates
1: yes and and they've done um from the announcement They did at Dub DC, which was huge. They did updates last year to Apple Music, you know, a new interface, all that. And this year, I expect more. Yeah, it seems like they're slightly
0: behind schedule on their shows. Like, Carpool Karaoke and Planet of the Apps were supposed to be out in the spring. And I think Carpool Karaoke in particular was at one point quoted as saying it would come out in April and obviously isn't out yet. Um, So I wouldn't be surprised if we hear updates about them and they surely must be coming very soon. I also wouldn't be surprised if they have a handful of other shows to announce because that's the sort of thing that they can keep secret where they're not talking to HBO and they're not talking to Showtime. They're talking to one team of producers and stars and whoever and saying, we'll produce your show, but you got to keep your mouth shut or the deal's off.
1: You know, I wouldn't be surprised if they have something like that. I I agree. I I th- that's, you know, if there's <clears throat> one app in in all of this that I expect to see majorly updated, and and you know, that's just based on what they've done in the past and how important it is to them. So, that I definitely expect to see updated. Uh, let me think.
0: What else? <sighs> Doesn't seem. It seems like that's a lot. It seems like we're at the end of the show, but it still feels like there could be more that they could announce.
1: Well, I don't know. Are there any surprises? Are there any rumors right. out there that you know? I think. I think the only real surprise that I would be surprised with is if they did one of these Siri boxes. Yeah, that, that would that, that would be a surprise for me, but not a shock. Not a shock, but I'd be surprised right. if it came right. at wc yeah right like if they announced that they are making a self-driving
0: car that would be a shock <laughs> because they're <laughs> it, right it would right it would be yeah. you, oh my god this is crazy because everything we've heard is that if they're even if they're still sort of working on that it's like a six seven year out thing
1: you know yeah yeah if tim rolls out on a self in a self-driving car out on stage yeah, yeah. that'd be um what about the rumor
0: there's a rumor that uh ios eleven has a significant user interface refresh i don't think anybody would expect it to be as radical as ios 7 was from ios 6 right but it a little bit but i i think the rumor to, is more or less that it's more significant than the than the 7 to 8 8 to 9 and 9 to 10
1: that would make sense i mean i i'm never i would never say no to to a, a software refresh the look and feel of it because it, apple just does that they i mean look at the os releases over the years they've yeah. they've always kind of put a little different spin on things <laughs> and three Well, so
0: let's see ios 7 then one year later it was 8 9 10 so this will be 4 years after ios 7 first was unveiled and that feels like the right number of years for a more significant, you know, like not just yeah. touch up paint, but a new coat of paint. Yep. Yeah. Uh, and it's also the sort of thing that I think Apple has gotten better than ever in the company's history at keeping secret. It's true. iOS 7 leaked, but only ever so slightly. I was just talking about this with a friend the other day and I looked it up. Uh, Mark German had a couple of descriptions of it and then like a week or two before wwdc seth weintraub of nine to five mac it wasn't german it was uh, seth weintraub at nine to five mac um commissioned he he got to see somebody who worked at apple showed ios 7 to him this is like late may of that year and then he commissioned an artist to recreate uh what he saw and I, I should put this, I'm going to put this initial at nine to five Mac leak on uh, iOS seven. And those mock-ups were incredibly accurate, but it wasn't the whole interface. It was just like the home screen. And so he had like the flat, flatter look of the icons and stuff like that. Hmm. And so he, and his source wouldn't let him use a screenshot because he was afraid that they were like watermarked and he'd get fired or something like that. Um, so there was a little bit of iOS 7 that leaked, but the overall look of it and the, you know, like the lack of buttons, you know, like remember the old back buttons that were buttons and then they just yeah. changed it. And it's just a Chevron. Uh, that stuff didn't leak. No. And, and they did a good job. Wow. Well, I wouldn't be surprised if there is a fairly significant refresh with iOS 11, I wouldn't be surprised if they've kept it completely under wraps. Cause I, I think it's the sort of thing that they could do. They would do with a very small team, uh, and the parts of it that they... You know, the hard work of rolling it out to all of the apps and everything can be done in between WWDC and September when it ships. Yes. like You can't keep it secret until it ships, but you can keep it secret until it's announced at WWDC. Yep. Is what I'm trying to say. Anything else that you expect
1: to see? I I think... I think we hit everything I think how about
0: this how about uh, how about the over under would you bet on whether we see how many how many Apple how many speakers on stage who who we've never seen in a keynote before I'm gonna put that number I'm gonna put the over under number at two that we'll see at least two people on stage in a speaking role uh, not in other words not just like Driving the demo silently while somebody else talks. Two people come out to speak who we've never seen before.
1: From Apple or third party? From companies? Apple. Counting only counting Apple employees. Apple employees, okay. Uh, I'm looking over our list here that we made of uh devices. So we'll probably get an invite. Okay. I'll, I'll go under. Or maybe
0: maybe I'm putting too much emphasis on n- never before and maybe you know people like uh, Susan Prescott and uh, uh, Boz what's her name Boz the Apple Music lady who's yeah, fabulous. Yeah. Uh, I just know her as Boz. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I would be if there is Apple Music news, you know she's coming out because she's Well, yeah. She's way too awesome. Yeah, she'll be there. Do yeah, you follow I'm her going. on Instagram. I follow her on Instagram. She's amazing on Instagram. I don't. Bazoma Saint John is her name. Yes. Everybody just calls her Boz though. Boz. Uh, yeah, and that would—I think that would—you know—that sort of scratches the same itch of the same people coming out over and over again. You know, Schiller hasn't been on stage for the WWC keynote in two years. I I like it when Schiller's up there. I love
1: it when he's up there, but I kind of you know? I
0: kind of like the I like this thing where it's only for the products now and not for WWDC.
1: Yeah, but if they did, if they do, so, I I love seeing Phil introduce products. Oh, really, if they have a MacBook, who else would do it? That's interesting. Yeah, but I think he can introduce more than that. Right. I I just to me it's it, the the keynote kind of seems empty without Phil yeah uh what about a Jeff
0: Williams announcement? I wouldn't be surprised if there's another you know like a uh, those, yes. like the 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 medical research initiatives you know what I mean yes. like yes. those sort of things that's right? what he's in
1: charge of yep well, he's, <laughs>
0: Jeff Williams is in charge of an awful lot of shit <laughs> uh, <laughs> Do you know what I mean I sometimes i have I have trouble just getting two meals a day and uh, you know uh, you know uh, I have a lot of trouble. I look at the stuff on Jeff Williams played,
1: and I wonder how he ever sleeps. I know. I wouldn't be surprised but if one of the, some of some of that stuff too. Never be surprised with that. I mean, they they typically do retail updates. Oh, They'll do- oh,
0: there's a good one. First yep. appearance on stage by Angela Arntz. Oh, I'll take the over on that. I feel like that- this could be it because there's so much going on with the stores right now. Yeah, oh, I'm gonna so, call it. I'm calling it. I'm bet. I'm bet. If, I'm gonna bet money on uh, Angela Arnts on stage.
1: Okay, I'll I'll, I'll agree with. That. And there's
0: there's our there's our first of never before in a speaking role in a keynote. That's Just, one. There's too much. The Apple Today stuff is too big of a deal. Uh, yes. My impression of that Apple today stuff—we didn't talk about it, but we could wrap the show with it. Okay. I, I, I think you, I, I think I don't know if it's going to work out. I'm not, you know, I, I don't know. Maybe it'll turn out to be a bust. And but I think that this is the reason. If you ask, well, why would somebody? Why would a woman who's the CEO of a major retailer like Burberry take the at least at the titular level the uh, the the reduction in title from CEO to senior vice president to work at a company. And, you know, I think that this is the answer to that, that this is her sort of putting her stamp on Apple's retail strategy. Yeah. Uh, I yeah, think it's a huge well, I, deal. I could totally see that being, uh, something that she would get up on stage and talk about. I mean, the other way they would do it would be to show a movie about it.
1: You know, it, but I wouldn't be surprised if she gets up on stage to talk about it. Me neither. And I also think that um, we'll see something about the environment. Mm.
0: Yeah, I can all, see that
1: too. They they typically do that, you know. They yeah. So I yeah, it's hard to say.
0: I, I could definitely see the show. And they're also doing a lot of work on reconfiguring uh, the shows. I mean, not the shows, the uh, the stores, the floor layout. There's an awful lot of Apple stores right now that are under renovation.
1: Yes. Yes, and some of them, they're putting a, a theater back. <laughs> yeah, <You know? laughs> right. What <laughs> comes around, goes around. Yeah, times change. Yeah. Uh,
0: the other thing I think they're doing is, it would be interesting to to ask Angela Arntz about it, you know, is what my curiosity is that the the big trend is, is overall is that retail is is fading, there's you know there's an awful lot of malls in the country that have an awful lot of empty stores and more as more stuff is being purchased online, a lot of the lower range malls are empty uh, or emptying and there's an opportunity. I think Apple in some a lot of places is upgrading from to bigger footprint stores so that they can do things like put a theater space in and have more space devoted to these Apple today initiatives. It would be interesting to find out if that's if that's something that they see as an opportunity or is it something they see as a problem because even if the Apple store is doing well, if the rest of the mall is empty it's it eventually catches up to apple
1: well, it will, but i I think that most of apple's locations are standalone stores you know they're destinations oh their i don't think so i well really no i think
0: i think out of there's close to 500 of them and i think most of them are in malls huh the the urban ones obviously aren't you know the ones in cities like here in philadelphia and new york you know yeah but uh i think that around the world that most of them are are in malls and i don't know that there's any way around that yeah i suppose uh, but anyway, long story short, I, I do think that – and I think that it is a deliberate and perhaps very smart attempt to take advantage of one thing that Apple has that none of their competing companies have, which is a venue for face-to-face human relationships between people who work for Apple and um, and or their customers. Nobody else has that. Amazon, I mean, Amazon is obviously – tinkling with little bookstores and like the, the, the cool little convenience store where there's nobody who works there. Right. Uh, so they're, they're tinkering with retail, but even there, what Amazon, Amazon's most interesting experiment in physical retail is a store where there are no employees. And the whole Apple today initiative is central around you learning from and talking to human beings who work for Apple. It's it's the human relationship. Yeah. I mean they have those features where you can check out of the Apple store using the app on the phone without ever talking to anybody. But the whole point of Apple today, it seems to me, is about human to human relationships. Yeah. And nobody else has that. They do not and I, I don't know that they that they want it. No, I don't think so either. I think Apple's the only company who even sees it as something that they want. I, I yeah. you know, I don't think Google wants to ever come in contact with <laughs> Oh, the, God, no. <laughs> I don't want to do that. <laughs> Just interact with Google by talking to your device. <laughs> I really yeah, do. I mean. Don't I, don't worry. They're listening. Yeah. <laughs> All right, Jim. Uh, All right. Anything else you want to talk about before we sign off? No, it's great. All right. Everybody can uh, read your fine stuff, the work of you and, and your colleagues, uh, Sean King and, and Dave Mark over at uh, excellent website, Loop Insight dot com. The loop. And then on uh Twitter you're you're Jay Dalrymple.
1: I am. Uh
0: I will see you soon. I love I love it when I somebody's on the show and I can say that. Yeah. Yeah. You know what? A week and a half or yeah. so we're Something gonna like yeah. that. all right. See you soon, Jim. See you John.